Hey, movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 209, so we want to try something different. Um, one of the new topics we'll talk about today is the Academy Award nominations, which, honestly, this year they got a lot more right than they got wrong, which is not something I can normally say. But a lot <laughs> of times, what people consider to be the best movie of the year is very rarely whatever actually wins Best Picture. So I've always kind of had this thought in the back of my mind of, What's the best movie every year that I've been alive? Not what won the Academy Award that year. You know, rational thoughts of people. What was <laughs> yeah. the best movie of every year that I've been alive? <laughs> Just like who won the World Series every year I've been alive? Or who was yeah, the top-selling yeah, yeah. artist of the year? I was like, whatever. Um, so Josh and I are going to start a new series. And then, you know, take a break whenever James Gunn decides to announce the DC lineup. If at all. He keeps saying it's going to come in January, but... Running out of days, days here, James. But we're going to look at each decade and find the best movie of every year in that decade. Not our favorite, but what we think is the best movie that came out that year. So we're going to start with the 90s because that was the year Josh and I started living. What? Um, no, no way! <laughs> yeah, has 30s just chasing all of us down like a predator. Just... <laughs> Uh, some of us are already in our 30s Ugh. yeah i have a few more months <laughs> of blissful ignorance um but yeah we're gonna be covering the top 10 greatest movies of the 90s one from each year and then we're also gonna kind of look back at the other movies to kind of compare of like was this a good year for movies like 1999 or not as good year for movies like 1995 uh but josh yeah. how you doing tonight i'm chilling like a villain my dude we're uh it's always fun because, like, for just a little behind the scenes, I uh, I can't always film in my room just because, like, my quote unquote room is the front room of the house. Uh, so the, the longer we do this, the more stuff I accumulate. Like, I've got a mic coming, I've got a, I've got a light that I've got to move. Like, it's getting up here to get to get going is always funny, just because it's like I walk up with like three trips of armfuls of stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 someday I want to have, I mean, I have a dedicated filming space here. I would love a dedicated, like, actual office that I could just put yeah. stuff and leave stuff and not have to set stuff up every week. But small goals. Uh, Josh, are you watching anything good this past week? Um, This past week was actually a really good week for me to watch stuff outside of The Last of Us Episode Part 2. Oh, which, is... which we'll talk about so good um i actually watched a lot this week um i finally sat down and watched um Ban i'm gonna mispronounce the last word but banshees of insurance in 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 um it's 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 an oscars movie i can see that i could totally see it. it's it's very well acted um it's a very beautiful movie uh nothing particularly interesting uh, Except when it gets probably... very interesting with the... yeah, it's so wild. Like, I, I I'm not quite. I still I might want to rewatch it or something, but I still don't know quite how I feel about it because I didn't hate it, but I definitely didn't like love it either. Um, it's very interesting. I it's definitely worth the watch. I think for anybody out there. Um, I my I found out that my younger brother hadn't seen robin hood men in tights yet oh, so i was like obviously I, have to show him that. I know um he, he blinken was his favorite character and i was like yeah well that's because blinken easy. is the best character 
I had to pause it um, when it got to the marriage scene and Patrick Patrick Stewart comes out of nowhere and he's like, wait, wait, what is this? What is this? Because they couldn't get it's Sean great. Connery. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and then my dad had never seen, and this was very ironic actually, because I didn't know what the playoff picture for the NFL was going to be at the time. Um, but we, my dad and I watched Invincible because he'd never seen Invincible. Oh, uh, underrated, the, underrated. Such a good movie. Um, and the final game in that movie is the Eagles versus the Giants, who, uh, you know, the Eagles whooped up on the Giants again. Um, the Giants that. played this past weekend? Yeah, they, uh, they, they were in the divisional round against the Eagles. They played this past weekend? <laughs> they got yeah, off the good plane? Point. <laughs> good point, good point. Um, and then I finally watched Barbarian this week. Um, <laughs> How much did you know about it going into it? Nothing. I knew zero. Ah, um, so ah. when they kept swi- switching timelines, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. What is happening in this movie? <laughs> it's very good. I love... Mm, uh, I, I won't say that it's that it was like I want to say it might be the best horror movie of last year, but that's also because not smile a smile is so good. Uh, that's and that's fair. Uh, I haven't seen smile yet, but also not a lot of horror came out last year. Um, uh, a lot of horror back, came out. Now, you just didn't see it. Apparently it's it's cool. It was unique. Um, also not unique at the same time, but like it works. Sure. Why not? Uh, it does kind of try to like throw some twists in there where you kind of expect them, but then also it's hard to describe. It's okay. It's, 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 it's a good, it's a solid eight out of 10. You, you, you'll get spooked at times. There's a, there's especially like, I, I think spoiler alert. Cause I want, I, cause I, I forgot to tell you that I, uh, that like my thoughts on it. Um, I think the first 15 20 minutes that whole section with um uh Skarsgård is my favorite part of the entire movie cuz you you don't know if you go into the movie blind you do not know what is about to happen and i love that the movie gives him every opportunity to feel like to the audience like he's going to be the villain because but they cast like, Bill Skarsgård. They do. They do. But like at the same time, <laughs> like build as his character gives us every reason to not think it's him. So you're like, I don't know what to feel. This is so wild. It's it's good. And then, of course, you know what happens to him happens to him. And then it's like, OK, well, now I have no idea. <laughs> And then this also might be the first Justin Long movie in a while that he doesn't get disfigured. <laughs> did you did you finish the movie? I mean, he gets okay. Yes, he gets quote unquote disfigured, but not like he does in like Jeepers Creepers, Wall or Tusk. <laughs> to which I joke with one of my coworkers at work who also saw Bob Brain. We're just like, you can make a whole subgenre of movies of effed up stuff that happens to Justin Long specifically yeah. and no one else. Tusk, Jeepers <laughs> Creepers, Barbarian. Yeah. Like he's got this weird subgenre for himself. Um he does. Yeah. Barbarian is it's a trip. I won't say it was like my favorite horror movie of last year, but that's one of those like I wish I think Barbarian we would have looked back more fondly on had we watched it together with a group of friends in college. That seems like Agreed. a a watch it with your buddies in college who all know nothing about it type of thing. Yeah. And you all go yeah, yeah, yeah. what the F together type of thing. Um I watched quite a bit. Uh, Heather and I 
it's taken us long enough. I got to go back and figure out like when we actually started this. But Heather and I finished all 10 seasons of Smallville. So, oh no. I will do an actual video about it at some point, but if there's one word I'd use to describe Smallville, it is wonderfully inconsistent. That's two words, but still wonderfully inconsistent. When it hits, <laughs> it's really really great and way better than it has any right to be. But it is not consistent at all from episode to episode. The highs are amazing. Like the first season when he meets the cancer kid that has cancer because of his superpowers, but he still uses the powers anyway. Yeah. Um, I went into it knowing a lot of people hated the finale. They're like, you don't even see Tom Welling in the Superman suit. I'm going, guys, I think you missed the point. The point is not about being Superman. Yes, that, that was like the end goal, but the whole point is Clark accepting that responsibility. It, you have to be invested in Clark. And what I think is cool about Smallville is, yeah, it's Clark's origin story, but you can also see as time progresses, Tom Welling, the actor, growing and maturing. Like, he starts off mm. as a like, very timid and introverted actor who does not have a lot of range, and I poked fun at him quite a bit in the early seasons for not being able to emote all that much. But as the show progresses, when we get to the final season and Lois convinces him that if everyone's up in the sky focusing on Superman... They can't be paying attention to the man on the ground with with the glasses. You have to, nice. you've got to hunch, you've got to wear glasses. So when he starts pretending to be the bumbling guy, I had a big old goofy grin on my face of, holy crap, you are nailing this. And like, yeah, the finale is great when he finally becomes Superman. But the moment that actually made me lose it more of like, holy crap, one, because the episode was actually directed by Tom Welling. And he was the one person I thought had an aversion to comic book stuff more than anything else. Um... But something's going down, and he already has his, like, quasi-Superman suit. It's more or less just, like, a red leather jacket with an S on it. But he's in his street clothes, and he sees a phone booth. And then you get the dun 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 And he goes, and they actually do, for the only time on the show that I can think of, they do the Superman quick change and the phone booth. I'm going, ha! You guys actually decided to do it. If they did what they did for the final season, which is apps actually embrace the comic book material more, I think it would have been better because in the last season, never would have guessed this, Josh. They had Jaime Reyes Blue Beetle in the final season. And for okay, what? and for 2010, the effects aren't too bad. Blue Beetle was in the same episode as Booster okay. Gold. Okay. And honestly, I'm not against that. Hawkman is way better than he has any right to be. I really, really enjoyed Hawkman's performance. He and Green Arrow actually have a whole bunch of like. We're forced to be together on stuff and work together, and it's really, really entertaining. Um, Love it. But yeah, I really enjoyed Smallville. I would, I would buy the box set if I if it was cheap enough. But the thing is, it is so inconsistent. There's stuff that I like, performances that I really like, and other times I'm just like, "Oof, you have 22 episodes a season, and you don't know what to do for a couple of these. Like, you're really stretching some stuff out." Um. Also, I didn't know this. I knew, like, bits and pieces of information about the show going into it. But I I knew at the end he would get the Superman suit. It's more or less what he has in Superman Returns. Um, I love the little detail that his mom makes the suit for him. I will always yeah. love when that happens. I'm just like, it's a little detail that we need to bring back, please. Um, 
I will always give Smallville a pass, though, because so many people will compare it to, like, Arrow or The Flash or any of the current yeah. Marvel stuff. I'm going, the show started in 2001, the same era as Brian Singer's X-Men movie. The superhero landscape, yeah. both TV and film-wise, was so drastically different. It's why they leaned so heavily on the Christopher Reeve Superman, is because at that time, it was the only <laughs> Superman out there. Yeah, there wasn't much else going on. Like... I get why in the earlier season they were hesitant to do comic book material just because even the X-Men movies were hesitant to do comic book material. They make the joke about, like, what do you want us to wear, yellow spandex? So in that sense, I get why over time they did more comic book stuff. Uh, they had the Justice Society show up for multiple episodes, which was amazeballs. It was great. Um, overall, it was flawed, but I'm glad I watched it. Uh, I also rewatched the first Mission Impossible again because it had been years since I've seen it and Heather hadn't seen it at all. Oof, it's different than the newer ones. <laughs> I'll say that. It focuses much more on the paranoia and Dutch angles. I'm going, stop, stop tilting it. I get I get what you're going for here, Brian De Palma, but it is a little annoying. And also, Brian De Palma really loves the split diopter shots, which is you have someone super close to the camera and super far away from the camera, and they're both in focus. And I'm just like, that, that's cool. Stop doing it so much. He does it like <laughs> 10 or so times. I'm just like, it, it, it was cool the first time. But, uh, and then also, of course, watch episode two of The Last of Us. Dude. I really, oh. really enjoyed the first episode. But the first episode has nothing on episode two. Like, oh my God, episode two is genuinely the greatest adaptation of any video game material ever. But also elevating the material like you yeah. used lines of dialogue from the game uh but let's be honest that that's not the takeaway from this episode this episode this the takeaway from this episode is what i texted josh f the clickers the yeah, clickers absolutely. are genuinely the worst thing i've ever i hate and love at the same time that they absolutely nailed the clicker sound design it's mm, no no dude it's so good i i've it was on one hand it's kind of hard to watch it sometimes just because like in my head as soon as they entered that room i went oh oh i have like i remember this mission i under i know what i know this level um fantastic I, I love the 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 behind the scenes stuff at, at the end of every episode it like it just helps me appreciate more what they're doing um i love the little changes to elevate the material like the idea that it is a fungus and so it's stretching out and you just by stepping on a, a very particular you know piece of of infected material you can alert you know hordes going to you know far, farther you so know, mile Vecna. away or whatever so terrifying um i i genuinely really 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 liked it um i enjoy i i think if i was to pick something like my fa quote unquote favorite thing from that episode um i love that and i feel terrible because i'm blanking on her name tess there tess? It is. i love that tess is around for for this episode i love that she she in comparison to what happens in the video game i love that she is around for the events she's of around section. around the same amount of time as the game i think a little bit but i i and i'm trying to remember like i don't remember her sacrificing herself maybe yeah. I, it's been a long they, long, did, long, they, long they did change it but i think they changed it yeah. for the better in the game she shot down by fedra agents that just mm. were following joel ellie and tess whereas this it was something else i'm going 
I kind of like this change better. I know some people didn't, but I'm just like, I think this change works for the better. I liked the intro to this episode, kind of giving you backstory to the fungus while not fully explaining it. I like that it's not like an airborne toxin. It's something with yes. flower. Like, ah, oh, we're all going to die. Yeah. Except, except for those yeah. gluten-free people. They're, they're going to be okay. Um, <laughs> I, I think yeah. my favorite part of it is after the museum scene, and I could, you know, unclench my butt uh with the clickers and it was the get outside and you get the classic dialogue from the game of well the outside world all you thought it was cracked up to be well yep jury's still out but so <laughs> far so good and then she like walks across the thing and joel like kind of looks down at his watch really briefly and you're just like it's perfect how did you screw it up is. uncharted yeah it, it is genuinely it just keeps getting better and better and better um there's always going to be people that are not big fans of the changes. I've already seen that the people kind of going after the girl that plays Ellie. She's great. Uh, she's fantastic. I love her. Um, I think the, the thing to, uh, for those who are hesitant about her, I think the thing to keep in mind is I do think they are playing her as in the whole version of her over both games, as opposed to just the version that you get in the beginning of, of, of the first game, um, which yeah. I think is the right thing to do. It's a smart thing to do. Yeah. For it's more like episodes, you, Ellie, yeah. Ellie opened up to Joel and was more snarky as time went on. Like she was always sassy, but like she talks to Joel more and interacts with him more as you yes. play more and they get more comfortable with each other. So Spoiler alert, now that it's just the two of them, you should be getting more of that sass. Like, I I just need the scene from the game after they go to um to Bill's and they're just in the car and she like steals the magazine or whatnot. Bye-bye, dude! And he's like, you know, that tape is actually from before my time. Like, I I need that. I cannot <laughs> wait for that scene. This show is just it's oh. so good. Also, it was Neil Druckmann's directorial debut, which I'm just going. No way. Yeah. The guy that, you know, directed Uncharted 4 and The Last of Us. This was his like TV directorial debut. I'm going. That's crazy. This was your debut, dude. OK, it's a lot better of a debut than Dave Filoni with The Mandalorian. I'll give him that. Poor guy. Yeah. But I think it's interesting, too, that he's coming from from video games, too, because I think that definitely would help, uh, especially in a television aspect, because you're used to kind of like telling stories in a segmented like kind of format already in, in the idea of like from level to level kind of thing. So it to me, it makes absolute sense that that would work from from going from games to TV. Uh, I, I'm just enjoying the show quite a bit, and I'm really excited to see where we go from here. Well, we got a kind of a random assortment of news this week, but kicking us off is the big one. The Academy Awards dropped the full list of their nominations. They had a show on Disney Plus, which I thought was super weird. Um, Josh, because you know this, that's it's going on ABC is my best guess, I'd imagine, right? If they're, the what? Yeah, because Josh is so invested in the Academy Awards here. Yeah, yeah, Heck, uh, but yeah, <laughs> for some reason they like live stream all the all the nominations on Disney Plus, and I gotta be honest, compared to years past. I agree with more of these picks than previously, but there's still some stuff that I have some question marks about. So let's break this all down. Um, I'll start at the bottom and work our way up to keep you guys in some form of suspense. Uh, best sound. 
All Quiet on the Western Front, which apparently I need to see this because All Quiet on the Western Front got nominated for a bunch of stuff. Um, I think it's on Netflix. Best Sound, All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar The Way of Water, The Batman, Elvis, Top Gun Maverick. Okay. Cool. I agree with these. Yeah. Uh, it won't, but it should be either The Batman or Top Gun Maverick. Preferably The Batman, just because I think that has good, good sound design. This one, this is the category, actually, above all else, that I'm the most pissed about and go... Oh, you done goofed. You dropped the ball on this one. Best original score. They nominated All Quiet on the Western Front, Babylon, okay. The Banshees okay. of Inishirin, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and The Fablesman. And I'm going, again, The Batman and Top Gun Maverick. I don't want to sound like a broken record here, but both of those genuinely, I think, are some of the best scores, not just of this year, but I've ever heard. Like, Maverick's score is incredible, but Michael Giacchino's work for The Batman... The Batman didn't get as much love as I thought it deserved, and I think that's maybe just the Academy didn't pay attention to it. They're just like, hey, it's a superhero movie. Super I mean, that's definitely a theme I, here, though. Which isn't surprising. Uh, best makeup yes. and hairstyling, All Quiet on the Western Front, again. The Batman, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, Elvis, and The Whale. This is another one that I'm like, ooh, this is, this is going to be a close race, I think, because... Yeah, we talked, Josh and I have talked ad nauseum about how good Colin Farrell looks as Penguin in The Batman. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But let's not sleep on how good Brendan Fraser looks in The Whale with that prosthetic suit that he's wearing. But also in the little clips that I've seen of Austin Butler in Elvis, the prosthetics that he wears for the later stages of Elvis's life looks pretty good as well. Yeah. So, again, I haven't seen All Quiet on the Western Front. Um... Black Panther Wakanda Forever, I see that more for, like, costume design than makeup and hairstyling. Yeah, agreed. Um, but I would say either The Whale or Elvis on that one. Unfortunately, not The Batman. Uh, best live-action short? Okay. Uh, best costume design? Babylon, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. Anybody? Anybody? No clue what that is. Uh, no clue. Bueller? Bueller, uh, I feel like that one's probably going to Babylon just because Hollywood loves them. Some movies about movies, don't they? The Fablesmans. Um, yeah. Um, best animated short film. Okay. Best animated feature film. I'm a little surprised by this. I'm not going to lie. Uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Marcel yep. the Shell with shoes on. Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Darn you, Puss in Boots. The Sea Beast and Turning Red. I say darn you because I hate the first Puss in Boots with the Fiery Passion, and supposedly the second one is, like, really good. It's I'm just going... Apparently it's a banger, yeah. Going, what the <laughs> heck, guys? Did you get an entirely different team? Uh, this is this has to be one of the most obvious ones in the world here. It's got to be Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, right? Like uh, To me, yeah. I, I mean, I haven't seen... Let's see. I haven't seen Sea Beast, Puss in Boots, or, or really, technically, I haven't seen Turning Red either. But you've seen man, Marcel only... the Shell? No. Oh, so I've only seen Pinocchio. All right. Cool. All right. <laughs> You're like, uh, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Uh, but no, like if you guys have seen Pinocchio, it's it's really good. Uh, I love the changes that they make to it. It's typical Del Toro, honestly. Uh, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if they if he walks away with it. I'll, but like I wouldn't necessarily. I think the key here is. I think Sea Beast and Turning Red are and are in this just as much as like Puss in Boots is. So I 
I wouldn't be surprised if Pinocchio doesn't get it, but we'll, I guess we'll, we'll find out, you know? Yeah, I think the money's still on Pinocchio just because that got so much fervor. Uh, best yep. visual effects, once again, All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar The Way of Water, The Batman, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, and Top Gun Maverick. Uh, there's a who I would like to win and who will definitely win it. Who I would like to win is The Batman, just because of mm. creating such a distinct aesthetic and camera work is beautiful. Who will win it is Avatar. There's no yep. way it's it's not because James Cameron has been so vocal about I have given up my career so that I can make this movie over the span of a decade and a half. Yeah, okay, Notice buddy. me, senpai. <laughs> going, you're two billion dollars. We noticed you, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. Best production design. Guess what? All quiet on the Western Front. God. Avatar, The Way of Water, Babylon, Elvis, and The Fablesman. Um, Babylon or Elvis is my prediction. Hollywood, again, loves those movies and production designs about movies. So, eh, I, I don't know. Okay, best original song. Uh, applause from Tell It Like a Woman. Hold My Hand from Top Gun Maverick. Lift Me Up from Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Natu, Natu from, is it RRR or Triple R? It's to... just RRR. Is okay, RRR. And this is a life from Everything Everywhere All at Once. I would like to say it'd be Hold My Hand from Top Gun Maverick because that, oh, that's a banger. But I think the Academy might go with Lift Me Up from Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Just, I think I there's more that. sentimentality there that might lean yeah. it. But this is a life from everything everywhere is oh hauntingly beautiful. Um so I, I'd still say Lift Me Up is probably the best bet there. International film, whatever. Best film editing. I think this also is a pretty clear cut winner here. Uh the Banshees of Inishirin, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Tar, and Top Gun Maverick. <clears throat> I think it's gotta be everything everywhere all at once. I, I would agree. I'd be surprised if it isn't, honestly. It, I, I think there's too much, like Top Gun Maverick, very well shot, very yeah. well edited. Sure, okay. Banshee, Banshees of, of Inisherin, kind of the same. It's well shot, looks good. It's good competently at, well edited. edited, not like, yeah. wow. Yeah, uh, but that's also because there's not a lot going on in the scenes that they're shooting. Uh, but like everything all at once, masterful, absolutely. I think so much of what works with everything everywhere is how it's edited together and how like mm -hmm. with the multiverse concept, it could be so easy to confuse your audiences, but the way that they edit it and portray stuff visually and screen helps guide the audience so much. Despite the fact that you're weaving in and out of universes and timelines throughout your, your flowed through the story so smoothly. It, it's gotta be everything everywhere for me, but knowing the Academy, they'll probably say no. Um, Again, I have some issues with this. Best cinematography. All Quiet on the Western Front. Bardo. Really? False Chronicle of a Handful of Truths. Elvis. Okay. Empire of Light, which apparently was done by Roger Deakins, so that's impressive. And Tar. Again, I'm going to beat this dead horse. The Batman and Top Gun Maverick. The Batman has one of the most interesting, like, visually striking, like, just overall tones I've ever seen for a superhero movie of... The shots in that are gorgeous. It's almost like if Zack Snyder knew what a good story was. And Top Gun Maverick, like, <laughs> Top Gun Maverick basically created special camera rigs just for its shots. Like, the, if you want, 
if cinematography is about telling your story in a good creative way, but also being fully immersed in the story, I don't think any movie did it better than Top Gun Maverick this year. Like, you are genuinely in the cockpit, and the camera work in Maverick is is competent when it comes to the ground stuff, but the aerial dogfights are the mm-hmm. likes of which we've never seen before. And yeah. I'm, I'm still just like, uh, okay, whatever. Uh, best original screenplay, The Banshees of Inishirin, Everything Everywhere okay. All at Once, The Fablesmans, Tar, Triangle of Sadness. I think we're in for an upset here. I would like to think it'll be Everything Everywhere All at Once, but I'm going to give the nod to The Fablesmans because yeah. Hollywood loves movies about movies and the fact that Steven Spielberg created this semi auto biographical movie about his life and his love of movies i think it will get some form of love or recognition and i would not be surprised if this is the bone that it gets tossed of like yes best original screenplay because <laughs> uh banshees isn't gonna get it i'll tell you that yeah uh, there's nothing real special about banshees no and, and that's why i think I, I i got a little frustrated maybe with it because like i maybe it was like saying that it was a great comedy or something like that and I don't see that at all. And I, I don't know. I, I maybe my expectations were high for, for, for Banshees and I'm just bitter, I, but I will say, uh, cause I forgot to mention this in what we're watching. Um, the director of Banshees of Inner and Martin McDonough, I believe is the guy's name also did another movie with Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell called in Bruges. And I think mm. you would like that a lot better. That is a dark comedy of two hitmen are sent to Bruges to basically lay low until the next assignment, except Bruges is like the most boring place in the world. And Colin, <laughs> Colin Farrell's having this existential crisis. He's like, I don't want to die here in effing Bruges. Like, what am I doing with my life? It, it's, I would love. Yeah, see, that that's what I think. There's, there's a lot of things about Banshees that are like very intriguing in concept. Um, seeing a guy who was like one of the Eternals be an incredibly interesting character is was really really wild too. Um, but yeah, I you'll have to show me where to find that because like I've that that's that sounds like a movie that's, that's very your funny more speed. Yeah. Uh, then best adapted screenplay. Once again, all quiet on the Western Front. Last Onion and Knives Out Mystery, which I I don't know what makes that an adapted screenplay over an original screenplay because it's not based off anything else. But whatever. Uh, Living. Top Gun Maverick, again, I thought that was an original concept, but whatever. Uh, and Women Talking. Uh, all Quiet on the Western Front. I don't see them giving it to Glass Onion. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't see them the giving only, it to Top Gun. That's great. The that only thing I can think of for Glass Onion and, and Maverick is that they've adapted the, the material from the originals to. Yeah, that's kind of what I was wondering too. Film. That's the only thing I can think of, though. But like for that alone, I would definitely, I can see them giving it to All Quiet on the Western Front. And then Best Supporting Actress, we have Angela Bassett from Black Panther Wakanda Forever, uh, Hong okay. Chow from The Whale, Carrie Condon from The Banshees of Inishirin, Jamie Lee Curtis from Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Stephanie Sue from Everything Everywhere All at Once. So the fact mm. that we get two people from Everything Everywhere, um, I say this as a big fan of her work, I don't know if I would have nominated Jamie Lee Curtis. Stephanie absolutely she was one of the emotional cores of everything everywhere jamie lee curtis was great 
but I feel like you're just taking somebody else's slot here. Like she, she's great. <sighs> like Sadie Sink <laughs> from the Whale. Come on, man. I, I, I say this. I say that though, as I haven't seen the Whale yet, so I need. But like at the same time, it's like, okay, I guess sure. I mean, I, I love Jamie as much as you do, but like. But hey, more than anything, yeah. This is Jamie Lee Curtis's first Academy Award nomination, so I'm just going okay. Wait, or, really? Yeah. So I'm just going yeah, okay because I, you know, my circle, my followings on Twitter, people were pointing out, oh yeah, is this like the first time that somebody that's been on the cover of a Fangoria magazine has been nominated for an Academy Award? And I'm going, <laughs> that's what we're here to care about. Were you on the cover of a horror magazine? Um, vindication for Halloween ends. Um, mm-hmm. then best supporting actor, Brendan Gleeson, the Banshees of Inisherin, Brian Tyree Henry from Causeway, Judd Hirsch from the Fablesman, Barry Keoghan from the Banshees of Inisherin, and Kehu Kwan from Everything Everywhere All at Once. God, it better be K. If it is not, there's one other, there's one other category that it better go to a very specific individual or we will raise all the hell in the world. But no, this is the other category that if K does not win for everything everywhere, mm-hmm. y'all are blind because this man mm-hmm. wore his heart on his sleeve and I just wanted to hug this man. It is one of the greatest performances I have ever seen in a movie. He's so good and you don't take this away from short round. Yeah, no, I can't. Like, there's nothing I can add to that because he's so stinking good. Um, my this is gonna feel like a rabbit trail, but it's not. I promise. Um, the there's a YouTube channel I've been watching a lot of that I've been sending Nate quite a bit of. Uh, the the cinema therapy videos. Um, they're it's a very they're very interesting videos and I love them. But they did a breakdown recently of of everything um everywhere all at once and like to hear them praise K K Huquan is like oh it's so, he's like guys he literally goes from like goofy to literally the coolest man on the planet. He beats someone up like, with a fanny pack. Dude, well, but like also but not even just that like martial artist but like he's like specifically talking about the scene where he is like he uh is in the reality where um she's a martial arts star or whatever and he's just like this coolest guy or whatever um literally his scene talking about how he fights is one of my i think one of my favorite scenes this year of this past year because like just like god he's so good I, it is so unfortunate that we've been cheating that we did not have him for so many years and i hope that honestly i hope if that he wins and if he doesn't i hope we get another 15 20 years of him actually getting to do work and then making it so you can't deny this man <laughs> so uh don't forget josh he is going to be in loki season two that is yeah because so this, kevin feige saw everything everywhere he's like we need to get this man a job as soon as humanly possible I'm going good job kevin now fix your universe um <laughs> best lead actress we have kate blanchett for tar anna de armas for blonde andrea uh riseborough for two leslie michelle williams for the fablesman and michelle yo for everything everywhere all at once um i want it to be michelle but i have a fear yeah, that it might go absolutely. to kate blanchett 
of just because of all everything we've heard about Tar and Academy loves him some Kate Blanchett. I love Kate Blanchett. She's a phenomenal actress. She was a great Hella too. Um, but it, you've got to give it to Michelle Yeoh. She is so good. She is asked to do so much in everything, everywhere. I still think yeah. Kay is the emotional heart of the movie, but but Michelle Yeoh. It relies just as much on her shoulders as everyone else. She's so good yeah. in it. Now, here's the category. Y'all better get this right, Academy. <laughs> Best lead actor. Austin Butler for Elvis. Colin Farrell, sure. the Banshees of Inishirin. Brendan Fraser, okay, the whale. Doesn't matter who else. It's Brendan. <laughs> it is Brendan. Brendan. Gosh, dang it. <laughs> Looking at this be. list. Literally any other year, anybody could win. Austin Butler, I haven't seen Elvis, but I've heard great things about his performance. Some shaky things about the movie, but his performance is great. Um, I was kind of with Josh Benchies of Inishirin is whatever, but Colin Farrell is great. I almost teared up. There's a scene with the pub of, would you rather be remembered for being good or actually remembered for making music? Like, actually have a legacy, and I'm just going, well, now I'm sad now, but Colin Farrell's so good. <laughs> But guys, it is like <laughs> the ultimate redemption story for crimes he did not even commit. Brendan Fraser needs to win for the whale so that we can all collectively beautiful cry together at his acceptance speech. Because mark my words, he'll be crying, we'll be crying, and we're all going to be okay with it because this man deserves a monumental career bounce back that he is projected to have. He better win. I think the Academy knows he better win or all hell will be raised. Well, but just like even just in comparison to the other performances that, that are in there for best actor, like, like you said, like, Austin Butler, yeah, we hear we hear good things about that performance. Colin Farrell's is good. I mean, it's it's Colin Farrell. We always know that we're gonna get something good from him. Um, and I have never heard of the other two, so it's like it's doesn't matter. It, it, I, and I feel bad. Like that's not a knock on them. I want to make sure that I say that that's not a knock on them. But like this has got to be Brendan's year. Um, he's been out for so long. Uh, he has been so good this year i mean for as long as we've known him but ever since he started coming back on screen uh i feel like it would be an absolute crime to not get it to him this year now this next one is gonna be interesting uh best director martin mcdonough the banshee's finish mm. in uh the daniels for everything everywhere all at once steven Sp uh, steven spielberg for the fablesmans todd field for tar and ruben ostland for triangle of sadness Again, I want to give it to the Daniels for everything everywhere. But I think the Academy is just going to go, well, let's be realistic, guys. We don't know how many more Spielberg movies we're going to get. Let's give them the awards while we still can. It's a, it's a movie about movies. Like, so long as the Academy still has that stigma of, man, we love when, we, when people make movies about us. Uh, like, I love seeing all the jokes that, shocker, nope, a movie that shows that Hollywood eventually corrupts and turns people bad over time didn't get nominated for anything going mm -hmm. yeah, shocker there uh i want to say the daniels when i'm putting i do too i want to put money i put more money on spielberg um or martin mcdonough for banshees 
Hollywood really loves subdued performances for some reason, which takes us to a final category of the night. Best picture. Once again, All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar The Way of Water, The Banshees of Inishirin, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablesmans, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, and Women Talking. Oh, boy. Oh, honestly. <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. I really don't. I mean, I can see Fablemans, Fablesman, yeah, Fablemans winning because it's the Academy. Uh, Maverick, I would be surprised if it doesn't win everything all at once. I would be surprised I, if Maverick does win, actually. Really? Why is that? Because the Academy doesn't like mainstream movies. They really don't. Like, <laughs> Hollywood very much prefers, like, the drama and the prestige of stuff. I think they're begrudgingly putting Top Gun Maverick here just because there's always, <laughs> ever since the Academy expanded from five movies to 10 for best picture, they're like, all right, we'll throw the general audience at least one or two bones just because we might get their eyeballs for the show. We don't actually think they're, they're art. I'm going, you didn't realize as much as he's crazy, Tom Cruise did kind of save the box office this year when we really needed him to like, Y'all can say that it's just a popcorn movie, but a popcorn movie that's done extremely well. But for people that like going to the movies so much, they kind of ignore the the movies that keep them in business. Like they, for some yeah. reason, don't like blockbusters as much, even though they need blockbusters to be able to support the art house movies that they love so much more. Um, Yeah, I think Top Gun Maverick's not winning as much as I would love to see crazy tom cruise just just jumping up and down on the stage just running back and <laughs> forth he's he's mellowed out but never forget the couch days people i i think the one that i, I don't think way of water will win um no this will probably not win um i really think this is probably going to end up being in between all quiet on the western front fables men maybe tar I, I think those are the other shoes shoes there. Um, obviously, like I would love everything everywhere all at once. That is, I, I might go watch it tonight, uh, just because I've been thinking about it a lot lately. But yeah, like it's, I, I think it's it's interesting too that, and I, I just always want to say this, um, the the amount of snubs that were even though they 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 expanded the list a lot this year, and for the most part, I agree with the lists for them this year it's still interesting to see how uh, not diverse it still is. True. But that's the Academy for you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this next story, <laughs> I have so many questions. It's like, uh, Trixie from, um, Toy Story three. I have some questions. Actually, I have all the questions for this. Uh, supposedly, Antoine Fuqua, who did The Equalizer, the most recent Magnificent Seven, uh, a really great prestigious director, his next project will be doing a Michael Jackson biopic. And I'm just going, oh, I have so many questions right now. Mm-hmm. Like, so many. Like, say what you want about the man himself, but uh, he was quite controversial with... um. Yep. There were some things that whether you believe he did them or whether you didn't or think he didn't, you're going to piss off half the people that might see this movie either way. Um, 
putting that aside, who are you going to cast for this? Because um, yeah, Michael had quite drastic appearance changes over time. So, like, if I'm an actor, cool. But this is a project that I'm going to stay way away from just because of... it's a hefty project, to say the least. It's uh. yeah. I, I and to say that they're going to be shooting soon is is crazy too because that means that the script is done, all everything else is done, whatever. But like, like you said, like there's a lot of mm, details <laughs> about Michael's life that is is are very. How do you say this in a kind way? There's not going to be a lot of ways that you can skirt this under the rug. Um, you're going to have to deal with a lot of the really big, very public um, issues that, that, you know, kind of he had to deal with, whether you believe that they happened or not. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how sanitized this is going to end up being. And here, here's um, the problem. Yeah. It's going to be sanitized because this is going yes. to be written by the same guy that wrote Bohemian Rhapsody. And I'm going, yes. Oh, no. Because while Bohemian Rhapsody is fine, I have always maintained that a true Freddie Mercury slash Queen biopic needed to be a hard R rated Wolf of Wall Street slash Babylon style movie because that's actually what Freddie Mercury was. Like, he was the quintessential rock star. Like, and then you really, really sugarcoated it. And I, I'm worried. And I'm pretty confident saying they will do the exact same thing again for this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is, I, I don't think that's fair. I, I think that's, that, I, I think as a, if I was a Michael Jackson fan, which I, I've never really been that big of a fan of his music, but that's, that's personal taste. Um, I, I would question, I, I feel like even fans would question a very sanitized version of this because it's like, well, yeah, but like, we're aware of everything that happened. So like, you're just going to skip over that. Okay. So I, I, I don't know what to expect. I, I think the fact that it is going to be so sanitized is kind of heartbreaking in a way. Uh, but I guess we'll find, we'll wait and see. I, I don't know. Like, it's, this doesn't, doesn't surprise me that this is happening. It doesn't because besides Elvis, Michael Jackson is probably the most recognizable name in all of music history uh, for the most part. Like, I I taught at Boys and Girls Club for a little bit and 90% of those kids didn't know who it was and it made me feel very sad and very old. Yeah. Um, but by and large... Michael Jackson is one of the biggest names in music history. So it's surprising that we haven't gotten a biopic sooner, but at the same time with everything that happened in their lives, I understand why. Um, yeah. If I, if I had to make a biopic about Michael Jackson, first of all, I don't know if I'd be up to the task, but I would hone it in more on the early days than the tail end things of, don't make it a Michael Jackson movie. Make it a Jackson 5 movie back when they were kids and they had to deal with a very abusive father figure who more or less like forced them to churn out the music yeah. and whatnot. Like, I think that's more a story to go with and might be easier to cast because, again, who are you going to cast with this movie? Because 
Michael Jackson notoriously does his start point and his end point look very, very different. Um, mm -hmm. Again, there's the, the whole allegations and everything else. I would be curious about this, but again, biopics do not have the best of reputations. Like, Bohemian Rhapsody played it incredibly safe, but then on the flip side, you go overly raunchy with a movie like Blonde with Ana de Armas, which, yes, she got nominated for it, but the rest of the movie got a whole bunch of Razzie nominations for being overly excessive and kind of exploitative to who Marilyn was and just kind of portraying her as something a bit too grandiose and just doing it for the sheer shock value. I don't mm -hmm. think Antoine Fuqua would do something like that. I, like I said, I really like him as a director. I like Equalizer. Um, I believe he also did Training Day. Um, like Magnificent Seven. I like his movies. I think he's a really talented director. This is just a really uncomfortable and difficult task for anybody to pull off. And it just feels like an unnecessarily difficult project if that makes sense yeah it, it, i have a feeling this is gonna be closer to uh the dirt than um bohemian rhapsody um for those that don't know but the dirt was that uh the um motley crew biopic um and they while they did go they did kind of show all of the exploits all of the the bad and good stuff with Motley Crue, they also like the really, really bad stuff. They tended to just skirt over it. And I'm really nervous that that's, that's what exactly what they're going to end up having to do. So we'll see what happens. So speaking of unnecessarily difficult, Jared Leto's back in a movie, <laughs> except this time it's Tron three. And I feel like, I don't know about you, Josh, but I feel like we talked about this not that long ago on the podcast. Like, I feel like, We've talked about <laughs> Tron 3 before. Like, yeah, we're getting a Tron 3 with Jared Leto. But now Disney's like, no, no, no. We're serious this time. We're opening the new coaster and everything. And I'm going, if it's going to be anything you like the so. coaster, we're in for a world of trouble. Just because, okay. Let me get on my soapbox here, y'all. Living in the greater Orlando area, Disney World has been advertising for genuinely seven years. That we're going to open this new <laughs> Tron coaster. It's not a new coaster. It's literally copied and pasted from another Disney park overseas somewhere. So they already have the blueprints and materials and just they just have to make that freaking thing. But it took them seven years. And Disney will be like, well, we had COVID. Did that stop you from 2016 to 2020? It is a track outdoor coaster. And I think Disney's looking at this going, okay, we spent too much on the coaster. We need some brand synergy. We need to green light this new Tron movie quickly, please. Because we we need some brand recognition here. I, I joke, but I actually kind of suspect that, that might be the case of, okay, we just installed a new Tron coaster in the park. We need a new Tron movie to go with this new Tron coaster because... Everything in the park has to be tied to some movie somehow. The last movie came out in 2010. That's too long ago. Um, we need we need a new Tron. People didn't like it and didn't see it really. Uh, people will like this one. Get someone that people like. People like Jared Leto. Morbius is creating a lot of memes. People like memes. Let's let's make a new Tron <laughs> with Morbius. 
going, that's a great oh, idea, man. guys. Uh, okay, to to his credit, Jared Leto is not the problem with that movie. He uh he is at the very least kind fairly convincing as Morbius. I mean, oh, he's yeah, an incredible... I, I buy him as a bloodsucker. Oh stop. as a blood sucking <laughs> leech. Stop it. He is look. Ever since um, his Joker, people like just love to crap all over him. I am not saying that he is a you included. Don't wash your hands of this, Pontius. <laughs> I, no, he. I just I know what we all know. He's capable of the weird and and like eccentric performances. And you know what? Uh, sure, why not? I mean de-aging jeff bridges wasn't gonna save the first that second one so like you know what you, let's throw jared leto in there what, what's the worst that could happen i mean like yeah you know what i mean like what else do you want to do with this like just, just whatever sure here's the harsh reality that disney as well as diehard tron fans don't want to admit but i'll say it anyway Tron is very, very similar to Blade Runner. Of It was groundbreaking yes. and revolutionary for the world of entertainment and for sci-fi. But it didn't leave as much of a cultural impact as those diehard fans of that material seem to think it does. That way, when the movie got rebooted in the 2000s, those diehard fans went to see it, but general audiences didn't. Now, am I talking about Blade Runner 2049 or Tron Legacy? You decide. And now we're getting yet another one. We're getting Blade Runner 2099, and I still think that's not going to do well. And we're getting Tron Ares, and I'm going, y'all, I don't think you're learning the right lessons here. Like, <laughs> I think there are good stories to tell in Tron, and I think it's super funny that the director of Tron Legacy is now the guy that did one of the movies nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards is your Top Gun Maverick, Joseph Kaczynski. And I'm just like, how does this connect? Okay. <laughs> um, Maybe he just needed Christopher McQuarrie to help rein in the story. I want to be excited for this because Tron Legacy was one of the movies that I was the most excited for actually ever. I think the Tron Legacy trailers are some of the best trailers that have ever come out. It looks slick. It looks stylish. Um... And the movie happened and it is incredibly boring. I think there's enough potential in Tron. But you need a good story. And I don't think the first two really have that. Tron, Agreed. Tron, I think, both the original and Tron Legacy. It is very dense sci-fi. It is not casual sci-fi. And that is totally fine. Unless you're trying to market it for a broad audience, in which case the general population, you kind of have to dumb some stuff down. Like, my dad is a computer person before computers even existed. He was like a computer science person in college back in the 80s. He likes the first Tron. It's not his favorite, but like he could follow Tron because he knows the inner workings of computer technology. I'm just going, so there's a RAM and a, and a, gpu okay and i see and there, there's bright colors cool there's there's pac-man in the background that that's a cool that's a cool little easter egg there but tron is a very it's dense and i think you need to kind of jump it down this might have to be a quasi reboot i would think um and i know I some so tron too. diehards will be upset about that but i'm sure all 20 of them would get over it <laughs> yeah i'm coming out uh, for blood hey. today apparently 
Yeah, you are. Because, uh, I mean, at the same, like, I agree with the um, only the kind of diehards went out to go see Blade Runner 2049. Um, but I do think it, Blade Runner 2049 had more legs as, like, because people were like, oh, like, this movie's actually pretty good. Everybody can watch it or whatever. Um, I, I, I definitely think that Tron does not have that going for it necessarily. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Um, yeah. <laughs> Chalk this next news topic up to... Okay. But at the same time, me as a diehard old like film historian person, I am immediately interested in this. I just don't know if the general population will be interested in it. And that is that Rami Malek, everyone's favorite terrifying face, will be starring as Buster Keaton in a biopic series that'll be produced by Matt Reeves, the guy that did the Batman. I am 100% on board with this. One, I like early days of film stuff, um, like Universal Monsters. I like uh, Hugo, I think is Martin Scorsese's best movie. I like learning about like that kind of weird origin of film. But also, as a big movie buff, I've always loved Buster Keaton, and I think more people need to be familiar with his legacy because um, I'm sure they brought it up many times on Corridor Crew that we've mentioned plenty of times here, but they brought it up before. Buster Keaton is essentially Hollywood's very first stunt man. Like before there was Jackie Chan, before there was Donnie Yen, before there was Tom Cruise, there was Buster Keaton doing absolutely terrifying things back in the day of just going, oh, this man, this man, like, has some dirt on death itself that death won't come for him because he's doing such risky things. Um, There's that, like, old school uh, technique of you have a character stand on a box somewhere and a whole, like, side of a house falls on them, except they're standing in one spot where there's a window. That's a Buster Keaton gag. Or he's on the front of a train and he throws train tracks down as the train's going over it so that it doesn't derail or whatnot. Buster Keaton is like one of the OG generation movie stars. And he kind of has, and I mean this in the nicest way possible, he kind of has a weird face. That's why I think Rami Malek's perfect for this. Um, yeah. Josh, as someone that's more... Just like, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Does no, this show just, interest you sure. at all? I mean, Matt Reeves being involved definitely helps. <laughs> um, uh, I, I like him as a director. Rami's always a good actor. So like, why not? Um, I'm looking at a side-by-side -side picture of them and they look pretty similar. <laughs> so uh, that was, that, it's fine. Sure. I can see this being a lot of fun. Um, a lot of exploration of all of the all of what he does bring to you know the the film industry. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see how far they go with it if they go into his, but like Buster Keaton's past and stuff like that. Um, I, I'll be curious if they go full biopic on this or if they just kind of do like a like a bus. Hey, this is a Buster Keaton movie kind of thing. I don't know. You know what I mean? I'm. I'll be curious to see what what the approach will be. Um, but, like, Matt Reeves is involved, Remy Malik is involved, I'm there, sure. <laughs> and I know some people are freaking out, they're just like, but Matt Reeves should be hard at work on the Batman! I'm just like, he is! He's working on the script! And, not saying I'm the same, at all, I'm not saying that. 
But as someone that has like multiple scripts and things floating mm-hmm. around in the back of my head, I need to be doing multiple things in order to get that one thing done. If you're focusing all your time and energy, it might not come out to the most satisfactory thing. Like I, I need other projects. But also, guys, y'all love the Dark Knight trilogy. Josh likes two out of the three of them. Um, you do realize that in between every single one of those movies, Christopher Nolan did another movie in between. You had Batman Begins in 2005. In 2006, he made his most criminally underrated movie, The Prestige, and I still love that movie a lot. 2008, he did Dark Knight. 2010, he did his last great movie. Yeah, I said it. His last great movie was Inception. Then Dark Knight Rises, then Interstellar, so on and so forth. He understands that he can't burn himself out with superhero stuff. People are allowed to do that. I think the Batman will still probably be on track for 2025 because that would be about three years in between Batman movies. That timeline wise makes sense to me because the Tim Burton movies, the original one came out in 1989 and the next one came out in 1992. Like it just, it's fine to have spacing between your Batman movies. So for everybody that says he should be focusing on the Batman instead, let the man do something else. It's fine. He's a creative individual. I'm all for the Buster Keaton. Please. I, I like history stuff. I'm becoming a dad. Apparently let me, I want to go watch some Naval warship documentaries. Are you into submarines yet? Have you started wearing uh, new balances? So here's the your, reason why. Launches? Here's the reason why Gettysburg was so actually important for the Civil War. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that 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 checks out. Hey kids, uh, no, you want to yeah, take a road trip to the site of the Battle of Little Bighorn? Honestly, yeah, because that, that would be super wild. Uh, honestly, I, I, I've seen maps and pictures of the area. Like that would be so much fun. Are you kidding me? I would love <laughs> of course, that. of course. <laughs> now, lastly, for our news, we get Josh's favorite thing to talk about: Friday the Thirteenth. Um, but honestly, this news is like the least shocking news. But at the same time, a little mad at myself about. It, I'm not gonna lie, because I feel like for the past couple of years. I've made a prediction every single time of this will be the year that we get a new Friday the 13th movie announced. And I'll have to go back, but in my predictions for this year, I don't think I said anything about a new Friday the 13th movie being announced just because (laughs) we're getting a new Friday the 13th TV series on Peacock with um, Victor Miller, the original screenwriter, working on that show along with uh, now Kevin Williamson, the guy who wrote Scream, is apparently working on that show too. Okay. I thought we were just going to get the TV series. But given that the reason why we haven't had a new Friday movie in a while is because of the legal battle between Victor Miller and Shaunas Cunningham, well, given that Victor Miller gets a new toy to play with, Shaunas Cunningham is going, well, let me scrounge up the pieces that I do have (laughs) available to me, and I'll make my own gosh darn Friday the 13th movie. So I'm just going, y'all. Can't y'all just agree? That you both just want a buttload of money and then just split no. it like Sony where one of you gets screwed over, but you still make a lot of money anyway. That's that's exactly how the Sony Disney relationship works. So as soon as Victor Miller said that he's doing a TV show, I'm just going, well, only right out of time before Sean S. Cunningham's going to announce something. But it's yep. tricky just because. Like divorced parents, who gets what in this situation here? Like, um, Yeah. You can have a hockey mask wearing guy with a machete. Cool. 
but he can't be named Jason. Can't go to Camp Crystal Lake. But Josh, you know what that means? It means that it's going to be the mom. <laughs> no, she was in the first oh. one. They legally can't do that. No, okay. think something oh. else. You could probably have a character just named Jason who attacks people on space stations. Oh, my gosh. If we get like <laughs> a, a whole trilogy of like Jason X movies, I might like, honestly, I might die right there. They're like, uh, there's no way I'm going to be happier. <laughs> just because it'd be a legal loophole they yeah. just just because it'll could be a technical legal loophole they just call this movie 13th just 13th no friday the no jason just 13th just, just to like see that friday. just tiptoe just tiptoe <laughs> the legal copyright law as close as humanly possible now they I don't know if they've officially greenlit this yet, and I think it's more of like a, oh yeah, we gotta figure out what we can actually do here. Um, but it, this is always so interesting to me because it's just executives being so petty. Like, yes, should Victor Miller have been compensated for his work on the original Friday the Thirteenth? Sure. But it's weird because so much of what makes the franchise the franchise has nothing to do with Victor Miller. So I'm kind of actually all on board with seeing these like Frankenstein projects that could potentially be coming up here. Um, money's no object. Creativity completely unbound. Only by legal restrictions, Josh. What route do you think they should take here? Well, I wasn't even considering space Jason, but like, that's kind of, yeah. Let's just do Jason in different scenarios. Space Jason. Go predator with him. For some reason, he's in ancient native America. For some reason, he's uh, fighting the, the Aztecs or something. I don't know. Just like have like, Oh my gosh. The idea of like a time traveling serial killer is kind of horrifying. <laughs> um, he does. He just goes to a different time, kills a bunch of people, then dips to another timeline. That's okay. Yeah. That, that's kind of terrifying. I kind of like that a lot. <laughs> but if we had the copyright, I could say he does that because he's going through time, trying to find his mom in different time periods. Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> It's okay. Oh, He's dead on the inside <laughs> and outside. Oh, and outside. I, at the end of the day, it's like you said at introducing this, I don't care about Friday the 13th at all. Okay. Um, I think, I think slasher movies these days um, don't work as well as they used to. And I, I think there's very specific reasons for that. I think just because the market has been so just so saturated by like three or four of them and that's it um and like movies like hush like we've seen slasher movies style movies that have done it very well and in a very interesting way so to have it just be like a hack and slash kind of film even with these 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 new halloween films it definitely shows that you can't just have a big dude who's almost unkillable going around slicing people like that just doesn't quite hit as hard as it used to i think i think it's also just horror has a big boom in recent years mm -hmm. and it's just weird to me that we've gotten three halloween movies 
but no Friday the 13th movies. Like, this is the longest drought we've ever had for a Friday the 13th yeah. movie. It, the last one was 2009, so this is the longest drought. In a franchise that's known for just pumping them out as opposed to quality. They just prefer the quantity here. It's so mm-hmm. sad to me, but funny at the same time of... Friday the 13th has 12 movies. It was literally one movie away from 13 and Halloween before the new trilogy came out was multiple movies behind. And now Halloween caught up to it super quick. And Halloween now has 13 movies in its franchise and Friday still stuck at 12. (laughs) What if they do like a, like (laughs) they do a, uh, a uh, F2O (laughs) Because it's like, oh, like a twenty years. They bring back Kevin Bacon. No, <laughs> oh, Kevin Bacon. They can't, but still. I'm, why not, man? I, that, that'd be so funny. Is if they they go that route, at least to me. Just because Josh doesn't care and wants to see it all burned down. Exactly. Give me something entertaining. <laughs> you know what's entertaining? Buying Uncharted Media merch. That's what you should do. Okay. These segues are just getting worse and worse. But go to the link in the description. Check out Uncharted Media t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, stickers, whatever you want with the Uncharted Media logo, tinfoil hat fairy, or other fantastic designs that we've got. Go there, support the show. Also support the show by subscribing to us on whatever platform you're listening to us on. Whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or YouTube. And share us with your other movie friends. Subscribe to us on YouTube and Spread the word. Help us get to our goal of a thousand subscribers. Now, let's get retro, shall we? Cue the all that music or something like that. Keaton and Kel music. As we're going to talk about the glorious time that is the 90s. An incredibly mixed bag for movies. Don't don't pretend like it's all great. 90s has some greats, as we'll discuss here. We also had Godzilla 98. And... Uh, it's Pat and Space Jam, which, yeah, I'll die on the hill that Space Jam's not nearly as good as y'all remember it is, except for the Larry Bird joke. I will always laugh at, um, what about Larry? He's white. No, Larry's clear. Like that? Okay. <laughs> That'll always make me laugh. That movie joke. does not hold up as well as you think. Um, so what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at one movie as more or less the best movie from every year in the 90s. So starting with 1990, going all the way up to the very packed year that was 1999. We'll kind of say the other movies that came out that year to kind of give you a gauge of, oh, yeah, that also came out. I would have preferred if you had this on your list instead because you all are idiots. Or in some of the cases, wow, this year didn't have as many good movies as I thought. Uh, so at least for my list, I tried to put things for the most part that I had seen. There's like one or two that I have not, but by and large, most of these I have seen. So yeah, yeah. For me, it's definitely like I put a bunch of movies in each section just to kind of give some context. But like the ones I'm picking, I definitely like. I have to be able to. I say that I've seen them. So like I can't be like, oh yeah, The Godfather is fantastic. Like, but like I've never seen The Godfather, so no point in that kind of also the only godfather that came out in the 90s is godfather part three and that is on no one's best that is on no one's best of the year i was just that's why i was just using that as an example okay also to clarify we're putting forward the best movie of the year not our favorite so as much as men in tights is the most perfect movie that has ever been created 
It is not the best movie that came out in 1993. Josh is going to fight me on that, but there's some better gonna, options. No, because, yeah, because uh, that, 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 if it hadn't come out in 93, I think you could make the argument. Like, if it came out in, like, I don't know, 92. 92? Yeah, if it came out um, in 92, it would be the winner, you could probably. Make the argument. But, like, at 93, it's got some bangers, dog. So, yeah. let's, 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 get, let's jump into this. Yeah, let's start at the very beginning. It's a good place to start uh, with 1990. <laughs> Uh, this thankfully was still one of those times that Josh and I weren't around quite yet. Um, but for honorable mentions of things that also came out this year, but it wasn't my pick for the best movie of the year. You got Kevin Bacon's Tremors. Good time. Mm. One, another one of those horror franchises that Kevin Bacon sticks around for the first moment and then dips the rest of the franchise. Uh, Sean Connery's hunt for the red October. Classic. What I imagine will be somewhere on Josh's discussion the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Honestly, one of the greatest comic book adaptations of all time. I love it, but probably not the best. Um, the Exorcist 3, one of the most underrated horror movies I've ever seen. I think Exorcist 3 is <laughs> it's pretty good. Uh, Home Alone. Yeah, one most, first one on this. One of the most overplayed Christmas movies in my house. My dad Agreed. loves the first two, and I think they're they're good, but at the same time, I don't need them on a loop, TBS. That and Elf. Why not? Um, Why not? And then lastly, for my honorable mentions of, ooh, that's that's a banger. Rescuers Down Under. Dude. Oh, okay. It was so hard to not sit there here and look at that movie and go, yeah, that's the best movie this year. I can't, like, but, like, because it, it is so good. Like, the, the, the I could. Go the on a bird flying thing. scene is beautiful. It's beautiful. The movie is gorgeous. It's one of those like, wait, this is hand drawn. There's no way. Like, get out of here. Uh, but like, that was also the year that Night of the Living Dead came out. Like, Goodfellas, um, Pretty Woman, Lord of the Flies, Dances with Wolves, Edward Scissorhands. Like, God, like this is like some like I won't say obviously like those are not necessarily quote unquote bangers unless you're part of like very specific kind of niches in the in the film world i mean Mis misery came out that year too oh so, geez the original ankle right. breaker yes mm, i'm good thank you though <laughs> but what was your uh, best of 1990 josh 1990 is hard for me because i think the hunt of, of red october is good but it is kind of boring uh for the most part uh dances as well uh, dances of bleh, dances with wolves is fantastic as a uh a prequel to the avatar series um <laughs> I had to make I've that joke that, i've been sitting on that joke um night of the living dead i think is only and this is gonna be hard to say i think it's really really good in retrospect because if you you have to be like oh wow like what they were able to do with the technology they ha they had is impressive. Um, I think there's a lot of good choices, like Back to the Future Three. That's not um, a good choice. No, it's not. Um, only because, and I'm only doing it this year. I think Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles has to go for me, just because it. I knew it. It has to because it's held up over time. It, I mean, for the most part. Uh, it's the best comic book adaptation of to date. Um, I think the, uh, the way that the quality drops um, from, from the first one to the others is so significant. It's so noticeable that it, to me, 
makes it so it is probably to me one of the best movies of that year. It's because they got rid of Judith Hoga's April O'Neil. That was the reason. <sighs> Dude. Oh, okay. Sorry. I you sent me that video. Um, I watched <laughs> it the uh, the other day. Holy crap! Like a lot of the stuff they were saying, I was like. I never noticed this. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is actually really dark. And I wish they had leaned into it all the way. (laughs) Right. It actually is a lot like the comic. So it is my best movie, 1990. So you notice a trend when I talk about honorable mentions, I will purposely leave out what I put as my best movie of the year. And I don't see a lot of people putting this movie in their best movie of 1990 list just because since I wasn't around, I don't know how this movie did at the box office. If you want to, if you want to get to my soul, tell me that you're going to have a dramatic Robin Williams performance, and I'll be there in a heartbeat. Robin Williams, and I believe it was Robert De Niro in Awakenings. So, oh. basically, it's the true story of this doctor that works at this like clinic or whatever with a whole bunch of comatose patients, and for one summer, they all come out of their coma or catatonic state and just are awake and interacting with people and then at the end of the summer they go back to their cata- catatonia catatonic. catatonic catatonic state, state. Um, but Robin Williams is a beautiful subdued nervous portrayal I, I just like Robin Williams flexing his dramatic chops and I think he's so good in this um, I had to watch it for school and it was so so good and I was like this movie does not get nearly enough love and I think Comparing it to the rest of the things that I have seen that came out in 1990, I think, I think this is one that deserves more love and it probably would be the best movie that I've seen from 1990. Yeah. And like, like people often will put like Goodfellas up there. I haven't seen Goodfellas. So I I, I don't know. I'm also not a big, cause that's the Goodfellas is the, uh, the Quentin Tarantino one. No, that's Scorsese. Okay. By the way, haven't seen it. Can't talk about it. Uh, but it, it's really funny to think about the polar opposites of our best movies. <laughs> Yours is like this really serious drama with Robin Williams as Minds about Turtles. <laughs> Pizza Dude's got 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Oh, and then the dude. terrifying Donatello opening his mouth to an abyss <laughs> where you can see the an- the guy inside the suit and going, oh, dude, the, oh. the HD remake did not help that movie at all. I, I really want the original Ninja Turtles available in 4K just because it's one of my favorite mm-hmm. movies as a kid. That being said, at the same time, I don't think I want it in 4K because yeah, I, no, don't, I, don't do. <laughs> I don't need to see Kino in the Donatello suit because, yes, Kino from Ninja Turtles 2 is one of the actors in the turtle suit in the original movie. Now, fast forwarding to 1991, uh, Josh, had you been introduced to the world yet at this point? No, we still got another year. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Uh, 1991, slightly better year for movies. Robin Hood, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, you know, the one that will get made fun of later. Um, Underrated Disney movie, The Rocketeer, also known as the Captain America prequel. They're very similar, directed by the same guy, Mm -hmm. nonetheless. Uh, Terminator 2, Judgment Day. One that Fantastic. will not be on Josh's list, but screw it. I don't care if most people hate this movie. Bill and Ted Bogus <laughs> Journey, the second one. I actually like it's Bogus good. I like Bogus Journey more than Excellent Adventure, actually. Um an American Tale, Five Will Goes West. Just God, such a banger. Chef's kiss. Uh Beauty and the Beast. And last from wild. my honorable mention for me, Hook. Yeah. Which yeah. It, it rattled my brain when I got older and realized the critics didn't like Hook. And I'm just going, wow, 
suck a fat one. You're wrong. But also, yeah. if there's one thing that's wrong with Hook, it is a little too long. It is a very long movie. But other than that, Hook is magnificent. And your inner child is dead, movie critics. Yeah, that is something that like I've never understood why they didn't like Hook. Because like it, they love those like really like heartfelt like whimsical. fantastic and whimsical like adventure movies and Robin. Admit, it's been a while since I've watched it, so I, maybe I need to go back and bangerang. But it has nothing but good memories for me. I mean, like Father of the Bride came out that year. Uh, once, uh, once upon a time in China, Boys in the Hood, Adam's Family, the first Adam's Family movie came out that year. Dude, there's so many good movies that came out that year. I wouldn't be surprised though, if we have the same best movie. What What is your best movie? Ninety one. Well, it's not Point Break. It's the F- Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, there it is. Silence of the Our Lambs. Our first is- lined up movie. Dude, it is easily one of my favorite movies, I think, of all time. It um consistently, it's one of those I can always watch. Um, it's not even with knowing all the twists and the plots, everything, you just get just engorsed in, in Jodie Foster's performance. Engorsed? And, engorsed, engrossed, engrossed, <laughs> engrossed. Uh, but like literally everybody's acting their butts off like buffalo bill is both terrifying but fascinating at the same time it hits all of the notes of like mystery and true crime and like uh in drama it's so good it i i can't i could couldn't speak about uh about it enough and sing enough praise about it it's one of the few times that josh will actually probably agree with the academy because (laughs) this did win the academy awards that year and everyone's going see see the academy does like horror like oh really Maybe another horror movie since The Silence of the Lambs that yes. has won Best Picture. But also, I don't know if I would count The Silence of the Lambs as a horror movie. I would count it as a thriller more than anything else. Talk to me when Halloween gets nominated. I love Silence of the Lambs so much. Everyone's performances are great. But even then, like, just that surface level enjoyment. But then as I get older and I appreciate more, like, proper film technique of, like, when Clarice first meets Hannibal, mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. keeps looking down and she's looking up. And like they, it's clearly in a metaphorical sense, Hannibal has the high ground, but the, by the yeah. time that scene is over, they're staring at each other at eye level because Hannibal sees her now as an equal and just going, oh, it's so beautifully done. Dude. Um, But Dude. like, it's it's a female empowerment movie without blatantly beating it over your head of like, they do yep. it in such a good subtle way of like when she's doing like their police warm-ups and whatnot and she's the only woman in the elevator and like she's got like this uncomfortable stance to her and all the like superiors are like somewhat flirting with her and it's a little awkward like they call attention to it enough but that's never mm-hmm. the overriding thing uh and also the greatest twist of all time when they show up to the wrong house it was so good they used it in prisoners um <laughs> got him it just sons of the lambs is so good if only they didn't it make is crappy sequels and prequels to it like don't ruin its <laughs> legacy people uh, apparently that the Hannibal show is really oh yeah good. I wasn't talking about That's the Hannibal I was talking about like Red Dragon yeah. and Hannibal the movie oh god yeah Ugh. now we're in Josh's right, year man. I'm I, May 5th of this year is when I came to be I entered this world nice and early he was just so excited <laughs> to be here for the crappy <laughs> yeah. movies of 92 it's so great man I'm just as bald as I was then <laughs> He knows just as much too. <laughs> Woo! Okay. Uh, 
let's talk. I have not seen Revit. Re, re, there's the you amount of movies speak I haven't either. seen that movie. It was like actually insane. Like basic, basic instinct, um, Malcolm X, um, a league of their own Patriot games. Like it was really funny going through like the stuff that was, that was released in 92. But I was like, Oh, Fern Gully. Ah, three ninjas. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sister act. Muppet, Muppet Christmas Carol. All right. <laughs> Well, oh, any Home other, two, which is, in my opinion, better than the first one. Thank you. I will agree with you all day because Tim Curry, Tim, oh, fantastic. Uh, I mean, Lethal Weapon Three is not my favorite <laughs> of the series, but like, it, it's a thing that happens in this in this during this time. So, my honorable mentions, yeah. I have a few good men, one of the yeah. greatest uh, courtroom drama movies of all time. Which yeah. isn't a few good men. It's no. my cousin Vinny instead. <laughs> and dog, I, I love my cousin Vinny so but much. But also, like, my cousin Vinny is actually like people have done like actual studies on this. My cousin Vinny is like the most accurate courtroom scene in movie history yeah. of like how they do legal proceedings is spot on for some reason in my cousin Vinny and it's so wonderful <laughs> it's so good <laughs> like my cousin Vinny is it's so enjoyable um a few good men my cousin Vinny unforgiven and what I think mm. is one of the best horror movies of that year the original Candyman I really really mm. like that one um really wish the new Candyman was better but that original Candyman I still think is probably one of the best and like horror movies in terms of like Okay, yeah, you have a political message with it, but it works so well with the narrative that you've crafted. It it's show not tell, and I don't think you yes. get that enough in with your political commentary in movies. They beat you over the head with it as opposed to literally just showing you it and immersing you in it. You feel it more. Candyman is just yeah. so well done. Um agreed. But my best sure Yeah, what's your best? Just oh man. Almost gave it to Candyman, but at the end of the day. I'm a sucker for Robin Williams, so it's got to be Aladdin. Because, okay, I had a feeling. I had a feeling. <laughs> because Aladdin, like, come on. It's, it's only gotten better good. with age. Like, the animation is still incredibly crisp from everything we've heard. Half the animation in that movie was not supposed to happen, but Robin Williams, you know, mm -hmm. improv stuff. So the animators are just going, dude, we super hate you right now. We have to <laughs> oh, animate so much more stuff. Robin Williams is perfect. Uh, straightforward story. It was, I know a lot of attention gets put on Beauty and the Beast the year before because I believe Beauty and the Beast was nominated for Best Picture. Um, Aladdin, I feel like, doesn't always get the same like love as some of those other. That stupid one with the redhead that I'm not even going to dignify with a response. Um, that one for starting everything back in, I think, 89 or 90. And then, no, it had to have been 89 because you didn't mention 90. Um, then Beating the Beast. I think Aladdin needs more love. And I think, for me at least, for the movies that I have seen, it's probably my pick for the best of 92. Especially that year, yeah. Um, and that's why the Mighty Ducks... No. <laughs> I was going to say the first Mighty Ducks, which is a great movie, by the way. True. It's fantastic. It's a lot of fun. Um, I'm actually also going to say Aladdin. There you go. Because <laughs> um, I love like Home Alone 2. Uh, my cousin Vinny, A Few Good Men is a fantastic movie, but Aladdin just stands the test of time. I think it it, it still is one of those that is it is 
as much as I hate this word, it is timeless. Um, it is something we can co- go back to no matter what your age um, and still enjoy and pull new thing, new things from it. Like it took me until high school to realize that like why the parrot is named Iago. Like I was like, Oh, Oh yeah. I was like, it's a Shakespeare thing. All right, cool. Got it. Right. But like there's, it is, easily one of the best movies especially those early those early disney disney films like beauty and the beast is good there's some other ones that are fine but like yeah the, the aladdin is just like the best thing that year to me of the movies that, that i've seen obviously so now it is my year of 93 which is hey. a, which is actually an even better movie that year i think the 92 uh, but also has like a Dude. lot of like the seminal movies for a lot of 90s kids. So movies <laughs> like Groundhog Day, The Sandlot, Dude. the greatest Dude. movie of all time, Robin Hood Men in Tights, which is not only better than the original movie with Robin Hood Prince of Thieves, <laughs> it actually has a Robin with a real British accent in it, therefore <laughs> making it better. Had to bring I that, love re- that joke. Had to bring that in. Um, Every dad in America's favorite movie for a stretch of time there, The Fugitive with Harrison Which Ford. Which is, dude, to be fair, a fantastic movie. Oh, yeah, it absolutely so is. Good. But I, for some reason, like, as a kid growing up, I always remember asking my dad, what's your favorite movie? And then he would always, like, be, ha- and then I think he would always kind of settle on, I really like The Fugitive. I'm like, yeah, that, that sounds right. <laughs> um, Mrs. Doubtfire, again, dude. Robin Williams was everywhere in our childhood. Schindler's List. No, it is not my top pick for 93. Schindler's List. And number two, just missing the cut, unfortunately. Mask of the Phantasm. Okay, I was wondering. I was like, there's no way that we get out of this without talking about Mask of the Phantasm. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, this is, yeah, Mask of the Phantasm is fantastic. Uh, That wild dinosaur movie, We're Back, happened that year. Oh, it was that this year. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Tombstone, Sleepless in Seattle, The Nightmare Before Christmas was that year. I was was counting good movies. Fair. I will die on the hill. That Nightmare Before Christmas is one of the most overrated movies in cinematic history. Fair this enough. side of Hocus Pocus. <laughs> Groundhog Day, which misses the cut for me. Um, I, It's good. It's so good. I remember having my mind blown in high, in high school watching that for the first time. Being like, what in the world? Um, I have a feeling I know what your top one this year is but it will not be mine i think so i'm curious to see what yours is let me have my piece mask of the phantasm is still the best batman movie of all time even with the pattinson (laughs) one mask of the phantasm is still perfection but every kid in the 90s had a dinosaur phase because of jurassic park that's fair yes the dinosaurs are cool but it's just a really, really well-crafted movie. Like, you watch it as a kid. Yay! Big scary monster ate lawyer man on toilet. It, it's funny. <laughs> now you watch it, you're just like, hey! Dr. Grant actually, you know, has a story arc with not liking kids and then having kids thrust upon him with a child that is literally invulnerable, that cannot die, even though he got Apparently. electrocuted and thrown off a wall. <laughs> like, yay! Dr. Grant has an actual arc and Jeff Goldblum is freaking weird in that movie. The older I get, the more I'm just like, and I, 
You're I on some lists, aren't you? <laughs> I love how weird he is. It's it's movie. weird to me that he's just they. He's like, you got any kids? Oh yeah, I, I got kids. I'm just like that. You're actually aware of like. <laughs> You're allowed with children? You're Malcolm, you're a weird character. Like you are. Enigmatic, like I can't not look at you. But like I don't know I think, if I trust you. They don't acknowledge that he has kids ever again. Yeah, they do. Ever. Yeah, they do. No, they yeah, no. they do. When Jurassic Park 2, his daughter's on the island with him. That doesn't okay, cool, 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 cool. Blah, blah, blah. Because so remember she didn't the make the, the acrobatic one? team. Why do I remember okay, Jurassic Park 2? That, that's fair, that's fair. Okay, but objectively objectively <laughs> what's eating Gilbert Grape Gilbert's grape is better what's than What's eating Park? Gilbert Grape? No. Not Gilbert's grape. <laughs> Every time. That's just a weirdly specific a thing with this. That people thought that, that Leonardo DiCaprio was actually mentally handicapped. Like, it is a really, really good movie, and I will fight anybody that says it, that it's not. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> In 1994. 94. I feel like this is this is a very, like, mixed bag across the board of, like, there's some really good stuff, but varied in terms of what the movies are about. Um... I'm sure this will be high on Josh's list somewhere, but The Crow? Yes. Oh, yes, I The love Crow. It. I love The Crow. I know. I know you do. Um, so do I. <laughs> Keanu Reeves' Speed? I love. I, yep. I really, really enjoy Speed. The movie that honestly fought a lot with my top contender. And for a lot of people, especially 90s kids, they probably would put this at their top movie. But it just, it's like 1.5. The Lion King just barely yeah. missing the cut, and it makes me sad that I have to put it there, not at number one. But it makes sense. Forrest Gump. Um, I know you won Best Picture, Forrest Gump, but you absolutely did not deserve it. You are, <laughs> you are good, but not great. You're not. I think, you're not mm. so far as to say crash levels of undeserving, but some other movies that came out in '94 definitely deserved it more. Um, yeah, we also have Angels in the Outfield, and which is God. That was like looking through this list, like, oh, what a what a, like a a a, 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 a a apparently all I can say is uh rebooting, um, Josh. What <laughs> what <laughs> you can need the nineties dial up sound there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, like what a walk down like memory lane, like for me though, like Ace Ventura. Pet Detective, uh, Dumb and Dumber, the la the Little Rascals, the Jungle Book, the one that terrifies Nathan. <laughs> Why do you think I didn't mention it? Honorable mentions. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, Jason Scott Lee. Dude, uh, it's not my favorite, but um, Maverick with Mel Gibson is like wildly good and i don't understand why it's that good um also stargate movie came out that year that was yeah. the thing that happened and i'll, I'll um, be one of the weird people that say i prefer the show over the movie by a wide uh, no i don't think you're that weird i i think that's uh hey that's, man uh, that's it a... lasted for 10 <laughs> seasons it's got two spin-off shows with atlantis Dude, and um uh, i don't care who you are as oh, get out of here atlantis is so good it gave us momoa jason okay? momoa man he's like a pokemon jason momoa is a pokemon man he evolved he started on baywatch <laughs> then he was on stargate atlantis then he was conan which is a king who is a warrior and then he became yep. 
called Drago, who is a king over the sea nation, and then <laughs> he became Aquaman. He's literally a Pokemon that was allowed to evolve over time. It's the coolest thing. And now he's going to well, take the next stage of evolution and just be the main man, Lobo. Mark our words. <laughs> oh, um, I guarantee it, especially after that meeting. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't think... I think Forrest Gump would be higher if it had aged better. I think looking, watching it nowadays, it has not aged well. Oh, um, Jenny, story, especially. Story she, it, the, the more and more... Um, I, I think about it. Yeah, Jenny looks looks worse and worse and worse. Um, Forrest, you could have done us so much better. Uh, but yeah, and like, I hear you, people that love Quentin Tarantino. Pulp Fiction came out in '94, and that's not what I'm talking. We're looking about. at good movies here, so I'm not talking about I'm Pulp just, Fiction. No, I know you're not. I I already know what your name. I already know well, what yeah. your number, number one is. Of course is. I do, like, because on. I have a pulse. Um, but no, I have one more honorable mention that I have not mentioned yet. Um, my favorite Tim Burton movie of all time. I know some people really like Batman or um, some other. It's not Willy Wonka. Tim Burton's Ed Wood starring Johnny Depp. Really? I, I love Ed Wood because it feels so not Tim Burton, but Tim Burton at the same that time. I sense, yeah. I like the Academy as much as I bagged on him earlier in this episode. I also like movies about movie making, but also I like movies about bad movie making, like <laughs> The Disaster Artist or um, Ed Wood, because it shows it's just like just getting out there and making something, even if it's bad, is having is better than having the greatest idea of all time that you don't do. Like, even if it's bad, you made it. And we've all been in there. Like, I would not recommend it, but the early days of Uncharted Media stuff, back when it was Movie Guy 17, there's a lot of figuring stuff out. But that's half the fun of creating stuff, is the figuring stuff out. I like movies where they figure stuff out. And Ed Wood is, we're going to make really, really crappy horror movies while also paying homage to a actor that was a big part of the early days of horror cinema. I I love Ed Wood. Um, actually, there's a movie that we'll talk about later today that might be my favorite Tim Burton movie, but I'm not I'm not sure. It's either this or a movie later. I I love Ed Wood, but because it's 1994, there's a movie that should have won the Academy Awards. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it's like it's the best movie that year. I think it's just the best movie. Okay, I'm saying it now. It's the best movie of the 90s wholesale, primarily because this movie is often in the conversation for, like, best movie of all time. I I Fair. put it in my Mount Rushmore, probably. I don't know if it's my number one, but it's it's up there for top four or if Mount Rushmore, you know, had a five spot. Um, It's got to be the Shawshank Redemption. This movie oh, is as close to perfection as you can possibly get. Like, I love the Shawshank Redemption so much. It is so beautifully acted. It's it toes that tough line of really, really dark and depressing while never fully losing hope. It's Andy Dufresne in the pit while having a little slit of light every once in a while is a perfect analogy for the movie because even in its darkest moments, there's still a little bit of hope that pops in. Like Andy never fully loses hope. Um, and I'm going to do the video eventually, I swear, of Holes and the Shawshank Redemption are literally just the exact same movie, like yeah. verbatim. Um, that's probably why I love both of them. Um, 
Shawshank Redemption is genuinely just one of the best made and best acted movies I've ever seen in my life. Um, I I don't have words. It's the Shawshank Redemption. If you've seen it, you know. Shawshank is just... This is a list of the best made movies, the best overall. The Shawshank is often in the running for just best movie, period. So, of course, it was going to do for 94. And the Academy, you gave it to Forrest Gump over the Shawshank Redemption. Again, you also gave Crash Best Picture winner, but whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, like it. It this year uh, would have been easy with movies like Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, which is my favorite Christmas movie of all time. Um, the Crow is in is this year, but like the Shawshank Redemption is easily one of the top five best movies ever made. Period. Um, so well acted, so well shot edited cinematography uh, story everything about Shawshank Redemption is as close to perfect as you can get um I mean at at no point are you ever like uh not rooting for um for for Andy I think even at the time when you're like there's a there's a moment where you as the audience are are kind of given this like how do I say this? This like almost this decision that you have to make of like, okay, do I root for Andy? Even though we as the audience are not sure if he actually killed his wife and her lover. Um, you know, they joke about now oh, everybody's everybody's innocent. I don't know what you're talking about, but like I love that as the audience, you are given that choice of despite us not knowing whether or not that was the truth you are you you can still root for him and the more you get to know him the more andy causes you to root for him and the more you want him to get out or not even just to get out but to 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 grow and to like help the people around him like it mm, easily still like still to this day when he train he um teaches that guy, that kid to um pass the the ged yeah test. zero and, yeah what Zero oh, from holes. I, oh, I, okay. I, 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 yeah, he I, teaches I zero from holes. Yeah. Anyway, um, like when they and then they kill him. I was like, I legitimately, I don't know if I've ever been so heartbroken. Not just like betrayed that, like, oh, the warden's doing bad things, but also like, no, like, I can't imagine that what that would do to Ant. Like, you were. It is such a good movie. Um, it obviously I can't recommend it enough. Um there there's a lot of stuff that happens that i don't think the movie could be for everyone depending on yeah certain triggers but like genuinely one of the top five movies of all time now we move on to 95 which is uh gosh dude a much harder year um it is harder just in terms of wow gonna hit this really weird like hollywood blockbuster or bust type of phase for the next couple years here of like you better be a big explosive blockbuster that you have to check your brain at the door to enjoy. Um, however, as soon as I saw the year 1985, I'm going, oh, yep, I know what my favorite movie of that year is. Um, it's going to be pretty easy for me. Uh, everyone else can go home now. Um, but honorable mentions real quick. Tommy Boy, just because we have to mention Tommy Boy somewhere. Uh, it's so good. Braveheart, Apollo 13, The Usual Suspects, and... What created one of the greatest N64 classic video games of all time? Goldeneye. Um, Josh, do you have any other honorable mentions? 
Oh, dude, so many. I mean, Jumanji was in 95, um, Ace Ventura, uh, uh, <laughs> Clueless, Rumble in the Bronx, Babe. Are you kidding me? Babe? Okay. Uh, Bad, babe. The first. <laughs> babe, directed by Mad Max Fury Road director George Miller. <laughs> it's just so, so wild. Uh, seven uh, Bad Boys. Uh, like, yeah, there's Indian in the Covered, uh, Balto. Oh, so many also hasn't great... aged as well as you think it has i know but it's got a place in my heart okay <laughs> is balto uh, the one I with phil collins it might as like as like one of his sidekick friends it might be i don't i don't know i balto that that balto's the one with the 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 goose and when he gets scared he's like ah oh, i got people bumps like that hilarious get out of here I don't want to hear, uh, but I, I, I think both of our, we have, we have the same <laughs> best movie that year. I think I, I wouldn't be surprised. Ah, uh, it's oh, Phil Collins is in Balto. No way. He's okay. Um, luck and muck. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, it, it, I don't know why I instantly knew that, but here we are. <laughs> and Bob Hoskins plays the goose. Uh, also Yay! a big 90s person no when it comes to 95 it's toy story or bus come on people oh, like yeah. it the first toy story one it you will never tell me otherwise because it was the first movie i ever saw in theaters so every other movie get out of the way because what you see here is a result of that one experience so create your own new relationship with toy story based off that information if that makes you angrier or happier i don't i don't know um well, there's probably a bunch of movies that shaped this into this mess but toy story is the, the, the foundation to which all other film knowledge for me was built upon so there's no way it wasn't going to be the best but also as i get older minus the animation animation limitations of the time like not being able to blink they can only wink because they couldn't time it up properly the movie still holds up incredibly well and also if you watch it now it is an all-star lineup of someday will be big of yeah you had john lassiter as the director but also like andrew stanton who would go on to do a whole bunch of pixar stuff um oh there's a whole bunch of people that like after toy story did the next pixar movie and then the next pixar movie then the next pixar movie it was a whole group of like think tank of people um doing stuff together I feel like brad bird worked on toy story steve jobs is a producer on the movie it was written by which joss whedon um yeesh which <laughs> yeesh. say what say what you want <laughs> yeah. about the man but for a time there he was actually a good credible writer now we can all go ew together but for a while there he he was viewed as a good writer um yeah kind of like jeff johns and then you're like hey um but the first Toy Story has aged so well. It's written so well. It's I'm just happy that when I see Toy Story, I don't hear Tim Allen and Tom Hanks. I hear Woody and Buzz. Uh, yes. With a lot of animated movies now, you just you see the you just hear the celebrity. You don't hear the character. There's a few exceptions. Uh, Steve Carell in Despicable Me, Jack Black as Poe. I don't think I necessarily hear them. I hear the character, but. Mm -hmm. Justin Timberlake in Trolls. You just hear Justin Timberlake in that. Like, but at least with Toy Story, I hear the characters and I love the characters so much. I think Toy Story 
will always be like one of the best movies I've ever seen. And that's a totally non-biased opinion whatsoever, but it holds up and it will still to me always be the best Pixar movie, except for, you know, maybe Toy Story 3, just because. Yeah. I mean, even two is really, really good. We'll, we'll get to that eventually. Two is probably like, underrated nowadays. I agree. But like, yeah, Toy Story, absolutely the best year of 90, the best movie of, of 1995 um, showed what you could do with CGI uh, or computer animation, as opposed to hand-drawn um, showed that you could tell a compo, uh, a very in- interesting and, and uh, uh, like uh, an interesting story something that could, be really emotional um which was not something to that was really thought that you could do so like almost just on the if it was only like a groundbreaking film only on that basis alone it's already the best movie of that year but like it is easily one of the most influential movies of our generation if you were if you grew up on disney and pixar um so I, I don't I don't think it's even a competition as far as far as that year of what possibly could be the best movie that year. Now we move on to 1996. Let's um, go. Another one of like, oh yeah, There's a whole bunch of random movies. Uh, yeah, you get Happy Gilmore. Honestly, probably my favorite Adam Sandler movie. I really enjoy Happy Gilmore. And then, not even joking, my favorite Muppet movie of all time, Muppet yeah. Treasure Island. Boom shakalaka. Um. <laughs> Fargo, Mission Impossible. Also, I I don't know if this is a bragging right or you probably have clear <laughs> issues, but almost every song in Muppet Treasure Island, I could sing word for word. <laughs> Professional Pirate, that is a jam. Like <laughs> That doesn't surprise me at all though. <laughs> that, what? That, 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 that's track. That that's definitely like uh that tracks for you. Um, I have the like CD also- I found at a secondhand store a few years ago. I'm like, I need this. I need to I need to make sure I have this memorized as mm-hmm. my love of Treasure Island, Tim Curry, and sometimes the Muppets. But yeah, Muppet Treasure Island to me is still Muppets' best movie. Uh, Fargo, the first Mission Impossible movie. The Rock, starring everyone's favorite beautiful person, Nicolas Cage. Independence <laughs> Day and the live-action... 101 Dalmatians starring Dr. House and Arthur Weasley in their greatest is, roles of all time. It is still it, that movie is actually like very interesting and is held up very well. It's, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. It's you have fun. like Academy Award winning Glenn Close giving a 150% <laughs> as Cruella yes. DeVille, but also like. I'm sorry, but Mr. Weasley and Dr. House are still always going to be the best Easily. things about this movie, as was Easily. like Horace and Boris or something like that. Yeah. It's, I mean, but like also like James and the Giant Peach came out that year, which is wild. Um, Matilda, Jasper Swingers. and Horace. <laughs> okay. Uh, from just Dust Till Dawn for you horror, horror uh, history aficionados, the, those people that like Dust till, from Dust Till Dawn. Um, I'm not one of them. <laughs> uh, and, you know, but, uh, Nate's favorite movie, Space Jam, came out in 96. Oh, yeah, that was 96. <laughs> for some reason, I think it's 95, but yeah, 96 makes more sense. Yep. So I think I know yours. <laughs> Do you? No. <laughs> Actually, now that you've said that, I don't what know. What do you think but, it is? 
I think it's Scream. Okay. Yeah. It's Scream. But here's <laughs> here's why. Here's why Scream is my best movie in 96. Lack of options. I'll be clear. I'll be honest. I'm looking at this going like, yes, Muppet Treasure Island is a masterpiece. But you from a technical stand from a technical standpoint, Scream is probably a little bit better made. Which do I enjoy more? Oh, Muppet Treasure Island, because Tim Curry's complaining about only getting one song. And he's great. Which do I enjoy more? Independence Day or Scream? Independence Day. But is Independence Day necessarily the best made movie in 86? Oh, absolutely not. Not at all. Like, no Roland Emmerich movie has ever been accused of having a good logical storyline. Like, they're all exactly the same. The nerdy <laughs> character has the one piece of information that can save the world from some big catastrophe. And am I talking about Stargate, Independence Day, Godzilla, Moonfall? I don't know. Day After Tomorrow? They're all the same movie. They're all disaster pieces. <laughs> they are. Uh, you mean to tell me that Jingle All the Way wasn't your favorite movie that year? Mmm, these cookies. They're to die <laughs> for. So you mean good. you don't want to see Arnold Schwarzenegger fighting WCW Big Show? <laughs> I mean, it, to be fair, Jingle All the Way is a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. There's not a whole lot of options. Uh, so I went with one that came out that year that has aged like a fine wine. Um, the Hunchback of Notre Dame came out that year. Disney's Hunchback came out that year. And um, I just, that movie is way more gorgeous than it does has any right to be um i i can see nate not enjoying my pick whatsoever um but i i, I don't like scream and i don't think it, like i i get what it's done for the uh the horror genre but like yeah it's definitely a lack of options here so we'll do something a little different i guess <laughs> i really don't enjoy hunchback Really? I I just I don't I don't enjoy okay. Hunchback. I think okay. there's I think there's a very good reason why Hunchback bombed in theaters. Like it did not do well because you have like outside of it, you being have like marketed to kids but being too dark for kids. Yes. Hey kids, you wanna you wanna hear this song about a horny old man that's gonna go to hell? You, you wanna enjoy your Burger King toy? Because that was the weird time that like McDonald's got uh, that, yeah that Disney got Burger King and now it's like switched around and whatnot. Back in the mm. day, man, Happy Meals used to have great toys. I'm saying that as like a grumpy old curmudgeon. Um, <laughs> moving on to 97, I'm not going to pretend like it gets better. 97 is another weird year for movies of. We like our big bombastic uh, blockbusters, um, which is why <laughs> that is exactly not what I have for my best movie of the year. Oh, dude. I See, I don't know about you, but like some of my favorite movies i the more i made this list some of my favorite movies as as a kid came out in 97 like the borrowers uh mouse okay. hunt the borrowers is legit yeah. mouse hunt is not <laughs> um airbud came out in 97 are you kidding me that terrified me as a kid that clown man <laughs> i bet he needs to also, be kept away first, from schools the, the first bean movie came out in 97 and that is just like the one of the best things also, you're going to sleep on Georgia the Jungle? Come okay. on. Georgia the Jungle is in my honorable mentions because as I talked about in the pod a few months ago when I rewatched it, it holds up. That humor is so good. And I appreciate Brendan Fraser doing all the like celebrity tours now to promote the whale. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, he was on the Graham Norton show with Michelle Williams, who was in The Fablesman. And apparently The Fablesman has one of the same monkeys that worked with him on the set of George of the Jungle. And he's just like, that douche. I hated that (laughs) monkey. Like, it's so funny. And he's just like, that monkey apparently wanted very specific shots. And when he didn't get the shot he wanted, he would hide up in the rafters away from us. I'm like, oh, that sounds great. Just, did you see the the actors roundtable where um Adam Sandler gets on uh Brendan Fraser's case for how good of shape he was and good in George of the Jungle? He's like, yep. man, I hated you in that movie. You made us all look like so fat. Like, come on. Yeah, he's he's in ungodly shape in George of the Jungle. No, George of the Jungle is great. We'll never disparage that. George of the Jungle's in my honorable mentions. The first Austin Powers, and arguably probably the only good Austin Powers. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, First Nicholas Cage, Black. yeah, First Man in Black, which I have seen way too much, and if I never see it again, it's probably okay with me. Um, <laughs> long story with that. Um, Nicholas Cage with the greatest hair in the world in Con Air with John Cusack, Dude. giving us the greatest <laughs> gif of all time with that turning Nicholas Cage head with the hair yeah. blowing in the wind. Um, oh, man. George the Jungle. With Face Off that year, too. Yeah, that was 97. That ooh. <laughs> the Cajun too was, fantastic the Cajun Classic was so Nicholas good Cajun. seasoning wise in 97 yes. Yes, um, it was. you had Air Force One arguably the second greatest movie president of all time besides yep. um, Bill Pullman in Independence Day the year before oh and then you had Titanic uh, but the best movie of 97 <laughs> we're gonna gloss but over whole, but the, the, the fifth element uh, there's Hercules the Starship star, star, star tur- wow I can't talk Starship Troopers come on <laughs> are you honestly telling me that those are some of the, the best made movies of 97 starship troopers and the fifth G. element Jane. <laughs> oh, whoa, will me, smith's coming for Don't you now <laughs> yeah oh. <laughs> okay but what, what, what's your what's your i, I think i know because there's really only a few options in, the, in that there's year. a i've already said there's a trend here if you put dramatic robin williams in something and i'm gonna love yeah. it and dramatic robin williams Nine times out of ten, you're probably thinking of Goodwill Hunting because it is his best dramatic performance he's ever done. And Matt Damon and Ben Affleck are also in it. Uh, Matt Damon is fantastic. Ben Affleck is there. Not disparaging him, but he really doesn't have much of a presence in it. Like Ben and Casey yeah. are just kind of there because they're Matt's friends. They help write the script. That's very important. But in terms of central characters, they're just they're kind of whatever. They were like in their like early twenties when they wrote like good yeah. acting, and it was so good. That make you hate your own uh, life a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but like yeah no that's why for me too it is also the number one movie of 1997 um incredible still holds up to this day um easily goes up on my mount rushmore of movies um just for like it we'll talk day and night about um robin williams in in this film but i think matt damon absolutely deserves some top, some some uh airtime as well he is like for someone who was so young and so early in his career gosh that guy acted his butt off in that movie I, the, the amount of times that i think about goodwill hunting is incredible and i think it's a testament to how good that movie is and because we're a film podcast we have to bring up the fact of hey hey you know robin williams made the cameraman laugh and so he shook the camera you know that wasn't supposed to happen right <laughs> going 
Yes, and Lego and Aragorn broke his toe kicking the helmet in two towers. <laughs> we know. Like uh, what was it? Uh the the final line of the movie was improv from yep. Robin. Stole my line. Which is I didn't know that, which was great. So that that was oh, really it's so, cool. It's so good. Yeah. Goodwill hunting is just oh chef's kiss. Moving on to nineteen ninety eight, and I think Josh and I Woo! will once again have the same movie for our final here. Uh nineteen ninety eight is stacked. You get the big Lebowski, yeah. Mulan, which I love Mulan so much. Um, also, you know, the first video I ever did, any video production-wise, was something Mulan-related. Good luck tracking that down. Um, Armageddon, probably Michael Bay's best movie? Maybe? <laughs> Either that or the first Transformers? I, I love Armageddon, but once again, it's too long. Uh, the Mask mm. of Zorro? Dude. Halloween H2O, because I had to throw it on there somewhere. Um, uh, yeah. The first Rush Hour, uh, Blade, American History X, and just barely missing the top spot, The Prince of Egypt. Dude, oh. which is a movie that is way better than it has any right to be. Yeah. Especially when it would come out coming from the same studio as Shrek. <laughs> which, this was back in the day when DreamWorks really didn't have their crap together yet. This was their yeah. ants phase of like, oh, Disney doing a movie called Bugs Life. Rush out a movie called Ants quick. Um, Shark yeah. Tale. Like Prince of yes. Egypt should not be to the quality that it is. And Josh and I have talked ad nauseum about the scene, but the burning bush scene is honestly some of the most beautiful music I have ever heard in a movie. And I do not, I don't understand how it is so yeah. perfect. And then you see. Oh, Hans Zimmer. That makes sense. Yeah, that that, that tracks. Hans Zimmer uh, speaks <laughs> God into movies. <laughs> but I mean, like the Truman Show came out that year, uh, which is to me a classic Jim Carrey. Um, it's not one of the best movies of the year, but I've, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up Mighty Joe Young. Um, that came out that year. Discount uh, King Kong, but somehow more legally distinct King Kong. <laughs> legally distinct. Um, <laughs> I just realized how like funny that is. Like one's King Kong, one is Mighty Joe. God, okay, whatever. Um, but yeah, I think for me there was only one answer when it came to this year. I mean, Prince of Egypt is really, really close because it's really good. Has better than any right to be. Um, uh, but Saving Private Ryan is easily my, the best movie of that year. Uh, the most realistic depiction of war there is, and it really still is. Um, I understand it's of a world world war that you know we've we're almost a hundred years removed from right now, but like is still to this day one of the most accurate depi depictions of what war actually looks like, what the people in war are actually like. I mean, it's got a stellar cast uh people that you forget of like vin diesel's in that movie for a little bit uh like there's there is so much happening in in the saving private ryan um i it's i think as a kid it was the first movie i cried in at the end of it um it was the first movie to like legitimately make me weep um so good Matt Damon's line at the end, like, I hope I was good enough. You know, it's so good. Incredible movie. Which is why it's my number one as well. Yeah. It's absolutely yeah. the best movie, 98. Uh, I think it won Best Picture for 98 as well, as it should. But yeah, it, stellar cast. 
a disturbingly realistic portrayal of war. Like, it's not glossed over at all. Um, it's intense. It's not for everyone. It's very intense and in your face, but I think that's what makes it work so well. Um, but yeah, the ending is always so powerful. It, it's just one of Spielberg's best, honestly. Yeah. And that's saying something. He's got a lot of stuff to work with, but yeah we we crap on him quite a bit but yeah he's it's we, it's, we he's, crap more on the more recent stuff uh fair because literally i think movies would not be where they are now without steven spielberg agreed and movies would not be where they are now if it weren't for 1999 and i mean that with full sincerity like there has actually been books written about how stacked of a year movie wise 1999 was so like it was hard for me to narrow down what the best movie was mm -hmm. because there's so much good stuff in 99. You've got Office Space. You get, believe it or not, my favorite rom-com of all time, 10 Things I Hate About You. I, so good. I love 10 Things I Hate About You so much. Why there's a like 4K remaster on Disney+, Plus? I don't understand. It's not really a movie that needs to be high quality, but yet Treasure Planet's still in HD. No, I'm not bitter at all. Why do you ask? Um, <laughs> then you get probably the most... It's not the best by any stretch but probably the most important movie and most influential movie of this year the matrix um that was a huge deal not the best though one of the best adventure movies ever made and the greatest protagonist in a movie ever brandon frazier in the mummy heck yes oh 99 is so good a movie that does not deserve the hate that it gets star wars the phantom menace yeah, I graduated from him. kindergarten and saw this movie and it was beautiful for a kindergartner to see because heaven mm. forbid a Star Wars movie be targeted towards children. That is okay. <laughs> that is what they were always intended to be. Hence why they sold toys before the toys were even made. Star Wars <laughs> is for kids and for merchandising where the real money for the movie comes from. Agreed. Then, uh, also, another highly influential movie, whether you realize it at the time or not, Tarzan. That influenced yeah. so much animation style with how they did the vines and whatnot. Also, holds up pretty well. And Phil Collins did not have to go that hard on the soundtrack. Son of Man is honestly <laughs> one of the best Disney songs ever. Like, that'll, that'll lift your spirits so high no matter what. Uh, American Pie? It is a comedy that exists. Um, but a very influential, nonetheless. Yeah, very influential. Um, we don't see as many of those raunchy 2000s comedies nowadays, but they were everywhere after American Pie. Uh, the Blair Witch Project, I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. I, for not for the reasons I thought I would, though, but that also was very, very influential for the horror genre and found footage in general. The first movie that Josh and I ever saw together... Fight Club, which I, okay. I, I always okay. thought... I, I, yeah, I, I know what your number one movie is. <laughs> yeah, he probably does. Um, When I saw Fight Club for the first time, I could have sworn the Fight Club was older than 99. I don't know why. I, just, yeah, I thought it was. But yeah, Fight Club was 1999. The other movie that I think might be my favorite Tim Burton movie, if it's not Ed Wood, Sleepy Hollow. Uh, yeah. Sleepy Hollow. I don't... I don't want to sound like one of those like people that's trying to be hip with the kids, uh. But Sleepy Hollow, 
is a vibe, man. It just has a, <laughs> it's got an aesthetic that I'm just like, if you were a candle, I would just light and just smell all day long because Sleepy Hollow is spoopy and I love it. Not spooky, spoopy. And there's a big difference. And Sleepy Hollow is just, oh, inject into my pores. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> then you also have Toy Story 2, which we also briefly mentioned. And then following up one of the greatest movies of all time with Shawshank Redemption, Frank Darabont also just turned around and did The Green Mile, which is also yeah. in conversation for one of the best movies of all time as well. Yeah, like and like if 99 was anything, it was one of the most influential movies of movie years. I mean, it's not it's like seven out of ten, but like The Sixth Sense. While it's not like the best movie of the year, it is certainly one one of those that definitely kind of opened people's eye. Uh, it's like, like it was definitely an influential movie. Uh, influential movie for, for for horror, like up there with Blair Witch. Uh, Lake Placid was that year. Yeah. Like, like there Betty White so is a many, murderer. So many great movies that happened that year. Um, I I I I look on it fondly, but it has not held up well. And the Inspe- Inspector Gadget movie was that year. No, um, it has uh, not held up nearly as well. It has not held up well. Um, but uh, since since I already know yours, I'll go ahead and say my number one movie for the year has got to be Fight Club. I think it now it, it's de- like looking back on it and like all of the kind of weird like social attachments that have been connected to it now are kind of like diminished its value maybe in a way but like to me that year i mean the mummy's fantastic toy story 2 easily like one of the most heart-wrenching scenes with jesse's story uh the matrix is you know changed sci-fi as we know it um but fight club for me was the one a that got you and me to be friends b is one of the first movies that i watched as a kid that wasn't like animated geared towards kids wait you watched it as like, a kid no 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 no. but i first saw it with you guys oh so, gotcha, like, gotcha, like, gotcha. for me that wasn't like an animated movie that wasn't aimed towards kids and then wasn't like a war movie that my dad was okay with me seeing no. so like it was like the first like real interaction cinem- cinem- cinematically with movies that had darker sub subject matter like i hadn't seen a horror movie up to that point like i i'd seen maybe some episodes of like it's like Smallville, but like that was like it was my first like real step into like non children oriented uh movies. And uh, like, if that's going to be like your first step, god, what a step! Uh, you know, Brad Pitt's acting his butt off, Edward Norton is acting his butt off. I think though, Edward Norton was me- acting in that movie. <laughs> I mean, in retrospect, we hope, we hope he's acting. We don't know. But like, like the one, the scene that always gets me, and I still don't know why, is the one where he's like, quote unquote, fighting himself, uh, to 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 like make everybody look stupid. Like, but God, like so many the the twists, everything about that movie is incredible to watch. And anybody that's still saying, but you don't talk about Franklin, guys, you're missing the point. You're stupid. Shut up. It's Fight Club <laughs> is perfect because Jared Leto gets beat up for it. It's, yes, he does. It's just, <laughs> we, everyone likes to make fun of Jared Leto now, including Teen Titans. Go wait, no, no, they they beat, they beat up Shia LaBeouf, not Jared Leto. Um, no, they don't. They they beat up they, when they're doing. No, they their beat up Shia LaBeouf. Broker. 
No, they in, beat in up Shia. No, when one, there's somebody dressed up as Slade and he takes off the mask at Shia LaBeouf, not Jared Leto. Okay. Although okay, nowadays, right. if Teen Titans go to the movies, made another movie, which they should, um, they would beat up Jared Leto. If you want to see no, Jared no, Leto get beat up in a movie, it's Fight Club. There's a scene from the show. There's a scene from the show where they're oh, all doing yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah, impressions yeah, yeah. of of, uh, of of Jokers, and and uh, Robin tries to be Jared Leto's like, "What are you doing? Well, stop it! That's gross. Yeah. You're weird." But yeah. basically, if anybody has listened to this podcast for more than <laughs> surprised I listen all, yeah, <laughs> Josh is just gonna tune out now because he already knows. Everyone yeah. has already heard yeah. the spiel. If anybody even remotely knows movie release dates, you know what's coming now. It's 1999. And believe it or not, I didn't see one of my all-time favorite movies in theaters, and I still haven't, even though I had a chance in college, and I'm still mad that I missed it, because in college, it came out with the Iron Giant Signature Edition, and to celebrate it, it was two extra deleted scenes, and they were going to re-release it in theaters, and I didn't go, and I'm still mad about it to this day. The Iron Giant is the best movie of 1999. Um, as I get older, I'm just noticing a trend of, just like, I really like Boy and His Thing stories. Iron Giant, Ron's Gone Wrong, Big Hero 6. <laughs> um, no, that doesn't at all speak to me at growing up as an only child and needing friends. No, not at all. Um, <laughs> okay, cool. So so, so you like uh, like things that aren't alive. Yeah, and so now now I have something to like hold over your head and you can't be like, Josh is a furry. Ha, 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 ha. I don't think that's no. nearly the same. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, these things are, they, they equate. They're the same thing. They're the same thing. Not not even close. No. You can make fun of me for liking lonely protagonists. That's also why I like Spider-Man, because he had no friends either. Um, no, Iron Giant, like, it holds up so well. Josh is now broken because of that. I'm just, like, I'm just picturing this whole conversation of, like, ha, ha, you like lonely people because you're lonely. Ha, ha. Dude, you love, like, animals that, with per- like, that are personified. What's wrong with you? But Iron Giant... Oh. Which (laughs) has some animals, you know, dead deers and squirrels and pants. Um, And Kent Mansley, whatever he is, he works for the government. Can't you tell I've seen this movie once or twice? Um, Yeah, just a few times. I loved it as a kid. I don't know why I loved it so much as a kid. I know Cartoon Network did that 24 hours of Iron Giant. And I'm pretty sure I just watched like eight to ten of those hours. Um, But I just remember watching it over and over again. Now, as I watch it as an adult, it just gets so much better. The animation is beautiful. Uh, honestly, I mean this with full sincerity. It is Vin Diesel's best performance. Like, <laughs> I mean that with full sincerity because he's he has to emote with just mm-hmm. his voice. And I prefer Iron Giant over Groot. I love Groot, but he he does more with Iron Giant than he does with Groot. But like, as a kid, you're just like, oh, cool. I would love to have a big giant robot as an adult. You sit back and you watch it's wrong to kill, but it's not wrong to die. And you just sit there in your existential crisis, just going, did your dad go off to war and not come back? Cause I swear that is what happened to Hogarth's dad. I we never know. I think his dad died in war. Also, that's probably why Josh and I like Treasure Planet. We like lonely protagonists whose dads <laughs> just disappeared for some reason or died. Um, Iron Giant became a cyborg. Also, I think my love of Iron Giant as a kid would foreshadow my love of Superman as an adult because, as I've stated in a video, Iron Giant is the best Superman movie ever made for a variety (laughs) of reasons. Um, I just like 
good protagonists, and I think both the giant and Hogarth are just wholly pure characters that have this great friendship, but also with a great backdrop of Cold War espionage of, can you really trust anybody? And giant robot things are terrifying because that was the trend of the time of like attack of the 50 foot woman, get this great mm. Norman Rockwellian aesthetic. It's iron giant is cinematic perfection. And I'm mad at Warner brothers for hiding it with this marketing campaign or else it would have done better in theaters. I'm mm, still salty about it. Not as salty as Disney <laughs> torpedoing treasure planet, but we'll, we'll get to treasure planet when we do. Yeah, 2000s we'll get episode. there. <laughs> we'll definitely we'll get there. Uh, yeah. Easily, like, it was one of those, like, I was looking at what came out in 99. I was like, okay, okay. Oh, yeah. It's going to be Iron Giant for him. There's no way it's anything else. I tried like, not to have it be Iron <laughs> Giant for simplicity's sake from going, it can't not be. Oh, I feel you, though. Like, I completely understand. It is a fantastic film. Easily, one of, um, it starts to be one of the last great offerings of hand-drawn animation as far as, like, the, the nine of, like, of the 20th century really like and that that uh, is I, something that did hurt it at the box office i think was them not yeah, knowing agreed, what to do with 2d animated exactly and I, I think a lot of people just weren't um yeah the marketing was terrible so it's uh, we'll, we'll get into that trend apparently now though uh, when we get into the 2000s of uh certain companies just just not marketing movies <laughs> We don't need to well it'll make its money back um but yeah this was actually a lot of fun like i actually really enjoyed this um it was kind of wild to sit there and be like wow like a lot of the movies i loved came from the 90s and like it, that's easy to say but like how influential the 90s were and i think we'll, what you and i will see in the early 2000s as well of how influential like a lot of movies that came out during that time were uh, how they shaped um a lot of their genres going forward so more than likely we've been down this road before but more than likely next week we'll be talking about james gunn's dc slate just because looking at our release calendar <laughs> there's not that many days of january left come on james what are you doing <laughs> so next week more than likely lord willing and the james don't rise um and the gun don't rise mm, don't work either um, nope. we will be talking about James Gunn's DC lineup and breaking that whole mess down as our main discussion. If for some reason that doesn't happen, we'll talk, we'll go ahead and talk about the best of the two thousands. If we do talk about James Gunn, we'll do two thousands the next week. So that way we can continue yeah. down this nostalgia trip just because this was fun. We'll do more of it. And, you know, talking about old movies is fun instead of just, you know, talking about the same movies over and over again, like iron giant. <laughs> So, and on that note, what do you guys think? What do you think the best movies of the 1990s are from each year? Let us know down in the comments below. We always like hearing from you guys. And as always, if you like what you hear and you want to hear more, subscribe to us on whatever platform you're listening to us on, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, YouTube. And if you haven't already, subscribe to us on YouTube. Help us get to a 1,000 subscribers. And as always, stay sharp, movie guys and gals.